You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Welcome back to Rebel Cells, the Star Wars animation podcast for the Bad Batch season one finale, Camino Lost. I am one of your hosts, Michael Cohen, and with me, as always, my faithful co-host, the illustrious Joe Hogan. He said it. He said it again. I, it. I was hoping I the last again. episode, he'd cut me a break, but he said nope. it. He said it. <laughs> and the altitudinous Kyle Avery. Crickets, 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 crickets. Is actually not on this part of the episode, uh, but he will be on the episode because we've actually, through the magic of podcasting, <laughs> already recorded the recap. Um, so Kyle is there for the entirety of the recap. He had something else he's got to go do tonight. So I, I, so we wanted to make sure that he was here for the most important part of the conversation, which was the season finale. Uh, of it all so i so so he will be joining us later in the Mm. episode when we get to the recap but joe you and i are going to tackle something up front in the news here baby and that is hooey this morning (laughs) they dropped a juicy juicy trailer for Star Wars Visions. And granted, we've seen a bunch of stuff already, well, whether mm-hmm. it was like that anime expo or whatever that convention was. Uh, and, you know, like like uh, uh, some screenshots and stuff like that here and there. But they dropped a trailer that is such a banger of a trailer. The music, the visuals. Uh, we finally get to hear some characters talk. Uh, they also released the full voice cast. Uh, which we'll go over in a second. Um, man, Joe, what was your reaction to the Star Wars Visions trailer this morning? The teen in me. <laughs> so I was I was a teenager yeah. when I was super into anime. Basically exploded today. Yeah. Like he he took control and, yeah. and was was on the surface. Little baby high school Joe Hogan was uh, running rampant today. Uh, loving every second of that trailer. I can't wait for this for this series or you just said what it was a minute ago. Is it an event or a series? I know it's everything at once, but yeah. whatever whatever this amalgamation of insanity is, I'm here for it. I'm so excited. The adult in me is excited that hopefully this is going to be work I'm going to be allowed to replicate and play more in the sandbox with. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't wait. Um, I can't wait to draw these characters. I'm so pumped. This looks so cool. Yeah, I think I yeah. So yeah, you just alluded to it. I I I think the way that they've talked about this, um, in a few of the the posts and press releases and stuff, they like they they they're talking about it as a series. So it's like I I. Let's see the new trailer available in both the original Japanese. I like that they make that distinction. Awesome. It is the original Japanese. Awesome. 
and translated into English provides a glimpse. You know, the best part of that is that it means that like there's a very good reason to watch it twice to like two oh, times yeah. in a row immediately. Oh, I didn't need a reason to, but I'm happy. No, that there of course. Is an extra of course. <laughs> uh, provides a glimpse of the captivating tone and stunning, stunning visuals from each of the nine animated shorts, which can all be viewed both with the original Japanese voice cast and the English dub cast when the series launches on Disney plus on September 22nd. Now series launches says mm. to me, we're going to do more of this. If this is oh, successful. Please. Um, please. yeah. It, and, and I, and I think that like, look, the, the, as they say, the proof is in the pudding. Uh, and when you, when you watch this trailer, it's like, how is this not going to be successful? And the yeah. response this morning online was unanimous. I think I didn't see anybody who was like, "Ugh, no, I don't want this. Everybody was like, and I think because of the variety of it, there's something in there for everybody to get excited about. And they're working with the best of the best anime studios on this one. I mean, like the fact that two of these shorts are done by trigger is like, <laughs> Trigger is the best. Like, like Trigger might be the best animation studio on the planet currently, and by definition of you know technology and the way that it moves, ever I, I because yeah, Trigger just does such amazing stuff. Um, the fact that we're getting two shorts by them in this in this uh, first anthology is just like like what a dream come true. How could people not be excited by by seeing this it's definitely going to be successful for disney plus um so i like why wouldn't they do more uh i i think actually what we'll probably end up seeing from this is a couple of these stories will probably end up turning into full series or maybe like a movie or something like that like like i think that this is kind of perfect territory for them to uh to delve into feature length animated stuff for disney plus uh, with Star Wars, which they they've they've kind of they they've they've been shy with that, which has always been perplexing to me. Of like, I don't understand why we're not getting animated movies as well. Like, uh, but it sounds like with What If premiering last week, uh, the the new Marvel series, um, it sounds like Marvel Studios is gearing up to tell more stories in the animated format as well. Mm emulating what disney is oh sorry what lucasfilm is doing um and and then disney animation is is on the other side of that where they're going from taking some of their movie properties and turning them into series so i think that like over the course of the next few years we're going to see all three of those avenues exploring all of those different options i think that whichever ones of these uh i anthology shorts are going like like hit the most whichever ones become the most popular um, or, or sort of have like the most meat on their bones. I think, I think they might get sort of plucked to, to become bigger projects. We've already seen that cause there's, um, I think there are two graphic novels, right? There are manga, uh, that are, that are happening, uh, uh, in conjunction with, with the series launching. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I, I let's let's talk about let's talk about the, the the best part of this news, which is this incredible voice cast. I uh, so the the English cast I I'm not really like I'm not up on the the Japanese 
voice actors as much as 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 I probably should be being a fan of anime but we're gonna go through these uh through through the 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 English voice dub cast I uh, the duel I uh, features Brian T as Ronan Lucy Liu uh, Ronan's one of like the title characters uh, which is why I call that out uh, Lucy Liu Jaden Waldman Tadween Rhapsody features Joseph Gordon Levitt Bobby Moynihan <laughs> Tamura Morrison as Boba Fett <sighs> Shelby Young and Mark Thompson I believe in his first voice acting role Mark Thompson if you re- if you listen to the audiobooks like I do you know that name because he has narrated the vast majority of audiobooks for like the last 10 years for Star Wars like he is he is the voice of Star Wars audiobooks essentially. <laughs> That's um, pretty cool. So this is his like debut I think that this is his debut role. Yeah, like like a character that is his character. Um That's pretty so sick. That's really really cool. Um and then the twins, this is the one that I'm the most excited about because this is one of the trigger uh ones. Neil Patrick Harris is one of one of the twins and then Allison Brie is the other one. And that just okay. makes me so excited. Allison Brie is actually one of the voices that we get to hear in the trailer. And yeah. Oh man. I'm so excited by that. Cause I love Allison Brie uh, and uh, Jonathan Lipow. I think that's how you pronounce that. Uh, the village bride features Karen Fukuhara, Nicole Sakura, Christopher Sean, re- uh, uh, returning to the star Wars galaxy as a new character, Christopher Sean voiced uh, Kaz, Kazuda Ziono in Star Wars Resistance. Really happy to see him coming back because I, 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 I don't. How, how do I say this? I don't think that he was used to the fullness of his potential on that series. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't blame that on anyone at Lucasfilm. I blame that on people at Disney and specifically at Disney Channel who made them change what that show was. I, mm-hmm. I. everybody involved with star Wars resistance worked their butts off to make that show as good as it could possibly be. And it was like, they were all doing it with both hands tied behind their back, which makes Mm. star Wars resistance being as good as it actually is a triumph. So I'll say that that's, that's, that's the best way that I can put that. Um, Cause there are, there's a lot of good stuff in resistance, but it also just falls so short of expectation. Uh, so really excited to see Christopher Sean back in Star Wars playing a new character um, and and uh, uh, some of his other voice actor had some of his his fellow voice actors from from this short uh, have have already given him big props for his performance, which is exciting. Kerry uh, uh, Hiroyuki Tagawa, uh, Andrew Kishino. Oh, Shang Tsung is going to be in this. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I didn't catch that. That's I, awesome. I, I love him. Exactly. Uh, Stephanie Shea. Uh, and then ninth, the ninth Jedi has Kimiko Glenn, Andrew Kishino, Simu Liu, who is Shang-Chi, uh, who we're about to get introduced to uh, in the MCU. The premiere of Shang-Chi was last night, like the, the red carpet premiere. And by all accounts, it's fantastic and it's like it's the real beginning of phase four i so excited for shang chi and simu liu, liu is is 
first of all, he's Canadian, which means he's better than everybody else already. Um, <laughs> Jeez. And uh, it's just the truth of it. I, I, and, and, and he's such a, he's such a good dude and such a great actor. Um, he's awesome in Kim's convenience. So excited to see him. He's also going to be in star Wars <laughs> He's in September. He gets to premiere in both the, the MCU and star Wars. That's crazy. That's the dream, dude. It's the dream. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Masioka, Awesome. Uh, Greg Chun, Neil Kaplan, uh, and Michael Sinter Niklas. Nick, Niklas. Uh, I, so that's the cast of that one. T0B1, or T-O-B-1, has uh, Jaden Waldman and Kyle Chandler. That's exciting. Uh, uh, and then The Elder has David Harbour, Jordan Fisher, and James Hong. Again, like, Dude, like, what? I, what? What did we do to get so lucky? I don't understand. <laughs> and uh, Lop and Ocho uh, uh, features Anna uh, Cathcart, Hiromi Dames, Paul Nakauchi, and Kyle McCarley. And then uh, Akakiri uh, features Henry Golding, Jamie Chung, George Takei, <laughs> and Keone Young, uh, and uh, Lorraine Toussaint. Uh, George Takei in it. In another role in Star Wars, I know it's something played, about that is adorable. He's played more characters in Star Wars than he has in Star Trek. Um, <laughs> I mean, he only played oh, wow, one yeah. character in Star Trek, but I, I, yeah, I, man, what a voice cast for the English dub. Here's the question: Are you gonna do Japanese first or English first? I typically with my anime, I know I'm that guy. I'm a I'm a Japanese purist. I gotta, I gotta watch it because here's the thing. I want to watch it for the story first Mm -hmm. and then I'm going to go back and watch it a million times for the artwork. Yeah. So I can focus on the artwork with the English voice cast, but I want, I want to be honed in on the story the first time I watch it. Um, there's a, and then appreciate everything else after. Yeah. There's an element with subtitling where you have to be focused. Yeah. Right. You can't be on your phone. It's like it's like mm-hmm. seeing a movie in the theater versus watching it at home, right? It's like you can't you you, you you can't pull your eyes away from the screen. You have to be paying attention. Um, so I totally agree, and I think I think for that same reason, I'll probably do Japanese first, mm-hmm. and then so like the like the presuming that it drops at midnight on the twenty first, we'll stay up and watch it on that Tuesday night, and I'll and I'll watch it through. Uh, now, I mean, like, the, this is one of the things is, like, we don't have run times for these stories yet. Hopefully we get them before the release so that I can plan this a little bit because I don't want to be up until 2 o'clock <laughs> in the morning. Um, I'm going to do it. I'll do it. <laughs> I anyways, don't care. But, <laughs> I, go. but yeah, I, 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 I hope, I don't know, like, I, I, I guess what we're talking about, you know, them being, like, like, between five and 20 minutes a piece. Um, I don't know if you average that across nine episodes. Uh, I don't know how you would do that. I don't know. I'm not that good at math, but I, I, how long would that be? I don't know. Let's, let's, let's split the difference at 10 minutes a piece and mm. say, you know, like, so nine of the 90 minutes. So it's an hour and a half. Mm. Um, I think that that's probably a pretty 
that's probably a pretty close estimate. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say. It's really just speculation yeah. at this point, but it's it's pretty fair. I I honestly feel like most of them are going to lean in the seven minute camp. Yeah. Um, yeah. Re- I really feel like we're only going to get one or two that are maybe a, a full twenty minutes. Um, yeah. I don't know. Hard to say. But, and dude, and I, guaranteed okay. they'll be they'll be the ones that they that tie into the comics that are coming out like yes. the, the manga yes. like those those are the ones that that are gonna have the most story meet like I don't expect the twins to have much story I expect it to be like here's us establishing that they're like these two twins that were cloned by the Sith and they're part of the First Order and then they're gonna fight. Uh, and and like it's gonna be like a minute of them explaining where they came from, and mm. then six or seven minutes of the two of them just wrecking shop, <laughs> uh, and being all anime about it, um, with their six lightsabers that are lightsaber <laughs> whips and stuff. Um, it, it this is none of this is considered canon. Um, here's here's what I'll say to that until they are considered canon yeah who cares it doesn't <laughs> like, matter who it doesn't cares? matter if you like it it's canon in your head who cares bingo bingo yeah reconcile it yourself write your own story that makes it make sense um mm. yeah I, I i've talked about this a lot i as a as a superman fan it's impossible to be a fan of a character who's been around for 70 plus years almost 80 years now basically and not have to learn to hold multiple incarnations of that character in your head Mm. do i have favorite versions of superman absolutely do i have favorite stories like superman stories do i have the type of superman stories that i would want to tell if i were telling superman stories yeah but that doesn't mean that the the ones that i encounter you know that are counter to that are are lesser than um they're just they're just different right and you and you learn to pull all of that together and it's to me it's always about we talk about this in the recap it's about it's about the spirit of the characters more than it is the 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 specifics of canon or continuity like who cares about that stuff mm-hmm. who cares how big a star destroyer is actually supposed to be it doesn't matter it doesn't it has no bearing on the story it's but as long as these stories are within the spirit of what Star Wars is about, then they'll be successful in my eyes. And I'm gonna like some of them more than others for sure. I don't think that I'm gonna like the duel that much, which is like the the that's the one with Ronin, and it's like sort of mm. like that sketchier sort of anime style. Um, and I think it's gonna be like all gritty and dark and whatever, and it's like. Uh, that's not that's not my cup of tea when it comes to anime uh that trigger trigger is is very specifically one of like uh one of my top three anime is uh gurren lagan which is uh uh, trigger and uh i love like it's like over the top ridiculous animation like the cell shaded bright colors and that's exactly what they've shown um uh, uh in these trailers so that's i'm i'm super excited for that less excited for other stuff um and that's okay it's okay it's okay for not everything to be for you i want this to be less like star wars if i'm if i'm being honest i want it to be more like anime where it's just over the top and insane and i i don't 
I don't care if someone cuts a Star Destroyer in half with a lightsaber. I just want to see how cool it would look when they do it. Like, it's oh, for anime. Sure. Yeah. It's, I just I think, want it to be pretty and awesome and insane. Yeah. That's what I want out of this. I think, I think for me, it's when I say the spirit of Star Wars, like what I'm talking about is more, um, you know, if, 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 if the short is focused on the visuals, then, then like the spirit of that is sort of looking back at ILM and, and showing us things we've never seen before. Like, Mm -hmm. I think that that is absolutely in the spirit of star Wars. I think it's, I think it's one of the reasons why some star Wars doesn't do it for me as much as other star Wars, because like, the rise of skywalker it it does i don't there's other than the opening of the movie with the light speed skipping i'm hard and then the 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 duel where they're fighting across the force bond Mm -hmm. it's like like those are the only two moments in that movie where i'm like okay you're showing me stuff that i've never seen before Mm -hmm. um everything else in that movie it's like it's we're either retreading ground or we're doing something but we're doing it worse than it was done in this other thing right um i so like like that to me like that's when star wars is always disappointing to me is when it's like like carbon copy um yeah of the visuals it's like no you got to be pushing it you have to be pushing the envelope so yeah the ones that are going to be visual the ones that trigger is doing i i think are probably going to be at the top of that list like you gotta push that stuff mm-hmm. right because i want i do want a moment i want to hold a maneuver at some point in one of these I want you to do something that I'm not expecting where I go, dang. <laughs> I, I think that's a very safe bet. That this oh, is for sure. For happen. sure. Yeah. The Holdo maneuver itself is such an anime moment. It's one of the reasons why it's <laughs> it really bad. is, right? It's so just like dramatic and yeah, exaggerated. I, I actually just watched The Last Jedi. I was just I'm setting up stuff in my office. I because I, it's just like redecorating a little bit. And I put it on on my shiny new 4K monitor. And uh, one of my two shiny new 4K monitors. Mm. Uh, I'm just going to brag a little bit there. And <laughs> I, I, and it got to that moment and I was just like, man, it's still so good. Like even years <laughs> later, how, I don't know how many times I've watched it. It's still such a good moment. And it's so anime of like the sound cutting out and just like the flash of the, of light. And then everything splits apart. And it's just like, it's, it's such an anime moment. Um, yeah, for sure. But then the other part of it is like is the character stuff and and the trailer definitely gives us some of those vibes like that voiceover of like, you know, this was entrusted to us and now it's your responsibility sort of thing. And and it seems like that's the bunny girl one and it's talking about that lightsaber and it's just like there's some epic, you know, mythic storytelling character stuff in there and 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 that's in the spirit of Star Wars as well. But it's so easy because Star Wars is already in the spirit of Kurosawa and so much of anime is influenced by Kurosawa. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it is absolutely the Aroboros. It's, 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 it's the snake te- eating its own tail <laughs> at this point. Right. It's like Kurosawa influences Star Wars influences anime. <laughs> and it's like, it's all the same thing. Uh, they're just different, slightly different notes, uh, or the, I, I shouldn't say it. they're the same notes played by different instruments. Um, right. Sure. So, so for sure. Like, I, 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 I am going to be very happy, I think, 
Uh, oh, dude, right now, I feel like when the way I used to from, I guess, 1999 to about 2006 ish, every time I walked into a comic book store and a new issue of Star Wars Tales was on the shelf. Yeah, because uh, do, do you rem- did you read Star Wars Tales? Oh, dude, Star Wars Tales was, was one of my favorite comics. I think it day. is my favorite comic series, period. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. Because I guess for anyone who's listening who has not read Star Wars Tales, uh, back when Dark Horse had the uh, the rights to Star Wars and was just kind of like starting to pump out their own expanded universe stories instead of just adaptations of novels or whatever, um, they put together this book. I think it was about 24 issues long. And every issue was just it was just an anthology of little Star Wars stories. Some were parodies. Some were serious. Some felt like they could belong in the canon. Some were just over the top, insane things. Completely different art styles. Sometimes it was very comic booky. Sometimes it looked like a, a cartoon show. Sometimes it was like painted. It was crazy, and you yeah. never knew what you were gonna get. And every issue had its duds, but I feel like every single issue had at least one holy crap that was insane story. And I remember just feeling so inspired when I was younger, thinking, "Oh man." It looks like any type of artist that wants to draw Star Wars can draw Star Wars. And that was kind of like sort of planted the seed in little baby Joe Hogan's head that, oh, maybe someday you can do this kind of thing. Um, I I can I, I read that series once a year. I just pick it up and I just go through the whole thing. It's it's every time the weather starts to get nice, uh, because I remember yeah. when I was younger, it was like springtime. I would open the window and I brought home that new issue and uh, and I would read it. Um, so now every year that's, that's my little ritual for myself. Is, let is me tell Star Wars Tales. let me tell you my favorite star Wars tales story. Go. It's, uh, it's, it's the Pulp Fiction one, uh, which you, you might, I mean, if you're, yes. if you're that familiar, you know, which one I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, I know it. Uh, where it's, <laughs> it's Mace and Yoda and they're at the diner mm-hmm. and, and they're just, they're having a conversation about the prophecy. Oh, I love it. I love it. Right. Uh, like, because at the Assault, end of the right? Phantom Menace, yeah, at the end of the Phantom Menace, Yoda says, you know, a, 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 a like the a master and apprentice, you know, I, I always, always two there are, right? And and there's also like the, the a prophecy misread could have been or whatever, right? And and it's so it's Mason Yoda, and they're having this conversation about the prophecy and about Anakin bringing balance to the Force. And I think if I'm if if I remember right, this was either published right after Attack of the Clones or like right before Attack of the Clones. It's like right in that zone, right? So it, it's it was like really... it was before it because Yoda had a purple lightsaber. He had two lightsabers. One was purple, one was green. So it was that's right. It was just yeah. before Attack of the Clones. But his lightsaber yeah. hilts were correct. Um, they were accurate. So yeah, and I I. So so we're really just going off of Phantom Menace at this point, like for, mm-hmm. for the fans, yep. right? It's like like and 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 it's in that hype period for for um, uh, for Attack of the Clones. It's like that perfect sweet spot to have this conversation where they're talking about it. And it's like it's like, but he's the one who could bring balance to the force. Isn't that a good thing? And Yoda dumps out the he he he, he pops out two flecks of pepper from the pepper shaker and is like the sith right and then he dumps out the salt shaker and he's like the jedi 
And then he uses the force and he blows away all of the, the salt <laughs> until there's just two grains of salt and the two, the two grains of pepper next to each other. And he's like, balance, this is two. Right? And it's just like... <laughs> and he's and like, maybe, I don't want to be one of those. <laughs> and it's so good because what is the end of Revenge of the Sith? Mm-hmm. There's two Sith. And there are two Jedi. I mean, like, we know now that, the, oh, there's Jedi right. all over the place, right? But, like, but the context that we had at that point mm-hmm. in time was that at, by the end of the prequels, when Darth Vader turns and wipes out the Jedi with Palpatine, there will be two Sith, and there will be Obi-Wan Kenobi and Yoda. And, like, so the prophecy could have been misread. And I, it just, like... I think, I, I mean, if it was 2002, right? That would have been like 2002 or 2001. Yeah. 2001, 2002. Uh, so I would have been like 16, 17. <laughs> and my 16, 17 year old mind was just like, wait, what? <laughs> like, like the prophecy is true, but it's like many of the truths we cling to depend so greatly on our own point of view. It's just like... <laughs> Man, it, there's a reason why Star Wars informs so much of of, uh, of of my morality, like the way that the way that I make decisions, the way that I view the world, and it's it like that Star Wars Tales comic is like that specific story within that comic mm-hmm. is a massive part of my Star Wars fandom. It's it <laughs> wow. is so integral to the way that I interpret star Wars stories, because it was, I think it was probably the first star Wars story that I encountered. That was like, you've never thought of it this way, mm-hmm. but this is also correct. <laughs> right. Cause we think of it, of Anakin bringing balance to the force as defeating Palpatine at the end of return of the Jedi. I think that that is like the common understanding of what that means right? He's the chosen one. That's what that meant. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or you think like, Oh, actually Luke was the chosen one because Luke finds balance and throws down this lightsaber and becomes a perfect Jedi and all that stuff. Maybe that's your interpretation, but like, like my interpretation of it is that, especially now that we have the clone wars, we have the Mortis trilogy. It's like he goes to Mortis, he balances the force on Mortis as the chosen one. And the repercussion of him doing that is two Jedi, two Sith. The the thing that that tweaks that balance is that there are a bunch of other Jedi around, but those other Jedi are all like sort of half Jedi. You know, we're talking about your Kanans, your your uh, 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 what's his face from Fallen Order, um, uh, Cal, uh, Cal, 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 yeah, Cal, <laughs> he's a superfood. <laughs> Kanan and Cal, yeah, Kanan and Cal, uh, like Kanan and Cal, I <laughs> I. And I, so like, there, there are a bunch of Padawans and stuff that survive. There's, you know, Grogu survives, right? What's the mirror of that on the other side of the force? The Inquisitors, the, the, Mm. the, the dark Jedi, right? Okay. So like it does, you can look at it and go like, no, no, there is balance. There is still balance. Ahsoka is outside of that, but because Ahsoka is the, um, she's the Ashla and she's the, my interpretation at this point is that she's the she's the unawakened force the force that awakens in in the force awakens 
is Ahsoka. Like, like, like she, so I think that Ahsoka could die before the force awakens. And then the Ashla is set free. One of the Mm. reasons why the force is out of balance and messed up for the entirety of the dark times is because the Ashla is contained within Ahsoka, a corporeal body, which is not Mm. where it should be. Uh, and, and, uh, and then she goes and she runs and hides. I, I, and I'm hoping that the Ahsoka series addresses some of these things. Everybody sees her as this perfect character and it's like, well, she's so perfect. Why did she, why wasn't she involved in any of that stuff? But it's a, there's, there's Gandalf stuff going on there. I trust it. <laughs> I, I, there's a lot of things where it's like, why doesn't Gandalf just solve all of these problems if he's so powerful? Um, and it's like, well, cause he can't cause everybody else has to do it. It's important. Um, the galaxy has to save itself. The force can't do it for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Gandalf being whatever he is, what are they called? The, uh, is, it's not, I don't know. We've had this conversation before a you and bum. I, haven't we? <laughs> I, he's a bum. He's a bum. Yeah. They, this always, this always comes up because whenever we start, start talking about Ahsoka, cause I go to the Gandalf stuff because Dave <laughs> has made it very clear that that is an analogy for that character. Mm. Um, and the way that she shows up at the end of Rebels. Anywho, Dude, Star Wars is, Star is pretty rad. This is, but this amazing. is exactly it. If Star Wars Visions puts us on these paths to have these conversations, then it's good Star Wars. That's I, I that is that is that is one of the things that I say about Star Wars a lot. Good Star Wars enriches the rest of the franchise like it 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 makes you think about other things in the franchise in a different light um and and enriches and enhances those stories uh that that's what the best star wars does so if if visions can hold up a mirror like this this uh this this anime reflection of star wars so that we can see different aspects of it uh, uh heightened or or muted in different ways I, I, then, then, then hell yes. Let's get more. Also, everybody's been talking about what if, right? Marvel, what if, and like, Oh, what if there was a star Wars? What if? And it's like, Hey, first of all, first of all, there is a star Wars. What if it's called (laughs) star Wars infinities. I have talked about it on these Mm -hmm. podcasts for years. Oh man, that book is so good. They are some of the best star Wars comics that have been published. They are fantastic. If you can track it down, there, Marvel recently published an anthology, one of the the epic collections, that is all of the Star Wars Infinities stories. It's it's all three volumes of Star Wars Infinities, and then it's also the Star Wars, which was a mini series. It's one of the last things that Dark Horse did before they lost the license. It's a it's it's a comic book version of the first draft of Star Wars. So it's kind of its own Infinities in that way. It's a very mm-hmm. different version of Star Wars. Um, and it's very, it's very cool to see the story, the artist on it totally whiffed that and, and just did an awful job in my opinion, because all they did was take prequel designs and Ralph McQuarrie concept art and mash it together and then, oh, really? and then call it a day. Yeah. You see about like the, the bad guys ride on, on staff speeders. Uh, but they're like, they're staps with like a bigger platform on the bottom. And oh, I'm just okay. like you didn't design a new thing. You just, he also ripped off another artist online. There are like these 
there are ships in it or something. Like I think he's like ripped off somebody online. Anyway, and oh, bummer. The, it, it's it's not the best art, but it's a cool story. But it's in any case, it's it's a bonus because getting the three volumes of uh, of Star Wars Infinities is worth the price for this this comic. You're just getting the Star Wars as well, which is fine, whatever. Um, but yeah, it it and and then the other part of it is like we are we are literally getting a Star Wars what if series in the midst of marvel what if happening and it's star wars visions this is like they're not it's not the exact same concept of like what if this this one Mm -hmm. thing was different which is what star wars infinities is but it is absolutely like hey what like look at star wars and we're just gonna twist it a little bit with anime right like dude i can't remember the last time i was so hyped to do like fan art like it's yeah it's easy when you're when you're working like commercial artists it's you know you have to take on so much work that if you want to stay afloat like you have to pay the bills like it not all of it are those you know amazing 250 dollars per storyboard and you have 80 storyboards to do like that job only comes around once in a while and all the ones in between you have to like really work your butt off so you know, at least for me, and I know a lot of my other working artist friends, like you kind of fall into this rut of like, oh yeah, that that's, you know, the other things you're consuming are cool, but you're asking yourself, oh, I'm really tired. I drew all day today. Do I really want to draw more? Um, but like bad batch kind of like sparked the flame again for me. And then this first episode of Marvel, what if like I literally started drawing as soon as I started watching yeah. Uh, what if? Well, I'm, I'm sorry. As soon as I finished it, and then the trailer today, like I am so like the fan in me is is like back at the forefront of the artist. Like, yeah, the fan in me is now telling the artist, no, here's what we're gonna do now. Like, we're we're not gonna we're not gonna be old man, you know, just working on stuff. Like, we're gonna lose an extra hour of sleep uh, every <laughs> night this week because we want to work on some cool stuff just for us. Yeah. So it's it's awesome. Like this stuff, all of this stuff is awesome. The first episode of What If was awesome. This I I can't wait to draw all this stuff. I can like I feel like I'm going to want to draw at least one thing from each Visions vignette. Yeah. That's how I feel like it's going to cuz everything I'm seeing I'm like I want to draw that. I want to draw that. I have an idea for that. Like yeah. I I it's it's like running rampant right now. I have to like no no no, we only have so much time during the week, but like it's nice to feel that spark that, you know, I had when I was young and hungry over a decade ago. You <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Totally. I mean, yeah. It, yeah. Cause it does. It, and anytime you turn it into a project, it becomes mm-hmm. like, a, Oh yeah, I got to do that thing. Yeah. It's like every year sure. when I do Inktober and it's like, <laughs> why am I doing this? And it's like, Dude, oh, yeah, but it was right. so good. And at the end of it, you had like, yeah. honestly, I think last year, was it's not like the first time I've ever like oh like he's getting really good but I remember like stepping back when you finished and I was just like he's gotten really like he really stepped his game up like I see a very very noticeable growth here um but you're right like when you're in it you're like oh all right let me force well, especially a it. daily thing like that like Inktober yes. is a is a rough yes. one for me every year because but but it is also like that's also intensive training. That's what that's mm-hmm. what that is for me every year, and 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 so I'll never skip it 
I'm I'm mm-hmm. always gonna do Inktober because every year that's I think we were talking before we started recording about about you know like uh, Im- improving and all that sort of stuff. I think that has been the number one thing for me that ha- oh, that sure. has contributed to my improvement over the last five years is that I've been doing Inktober because every October it's like I, I I've made a commitment to this I gotta do mm-hmm. it. Um, which the rest of the year I'm, I'm lame and I give up on drawings and, and, uh, <laughs> or I just don't draw for like a month straight or whatever. Cause I get caught up in doing other stuff. But, but when that's happening, it's always like, no, like you gotta, you've, you've said you're going to do this. And last year I did all star Wars and it was like, yeah, man, you got like, just keep, just keep drawing star Wars, keep drawing star Wars. Thankfully, like I laid all that out beforehand. Like I decided what I was drawing, so I didn't have to think about it. It was mm-hmm. just like, okay, you've said you're going to draw these characters today, draw them. Um, but then at the end of it, yeah, because then I followed that up by doing every week of, uh, for every episode of Mandalorian, I did one. And uh, and those those ones that I did for Mandalorian ended up being so good because it was like, yeah, you when you when you do that intensive training, you come out and like that, your muscles are stronger, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Figuratively and literally. I, I, I but yeah well Wait, i'll make you, gotta, you like, i'll, I'll make you a proposition yeah okay go for uh, it. if you do any characters from visions uh if you kick it to me i'll color it okay i'm cool. yeah a hundred percent i'm gonna take Sweet. you up on that because uh, right. awesome. i already i already know that i'm gonna want to draw the twins for sure i'm gonna want to draw the <laughs> cool. twins um and uh, uh there's a character in the ninth Jedi, the lead character in it is named Kara. So I'm going to have to draw her. Uh, uh, okay, cool. <laughs> I absolutely have to. Awesome. Um, uh, so, so yeah, so look forward to those. Um, All right, sweet. But yeah. Uh, cool. Well, with that, uh, do you want to get into the recap now? Yeah, let's grab Kyle. <laughs> yeah, Kyle, you've been so quiet. Get your butt over here, dude. What else you got? Hyperdrive's online! Cross that, take the towers. How many are there? Five of them. That's Clone Force 99. This is Wrecker, Hunter, Echo, Tech, and Crosshair. My name's Amiga. Clone wars have ended. You can either adapt and survive, or die with the past. Now, it's time for the Rebel Cells. Good soldiers follow orders. Episode recap. All right, here we go. The season one finale, Camino Lost, directed by Saul Ruiz and written, of course, by Jennifer Corbett. Uh, I'm just going to jump right in. Uh, the Empire continues its barrage of Camino's Topoka City. Uh, surrounded by smoke and explosions, the Bad Batch with an unconscious crosshair and the droid AZ-3 in tow run for their lives. Finally, the buildings begin to sink into the sea. As they topple, the group becomes separated. A short time later, AZ frantically wakes Omega as water fills the room. The girl spots crosshair unconscious and trapped beneath debris and calls for Hunter on her comm. With controls inoperable, Wrecker gets to work on opening the door to save Omega. The water rises higher and higher, swallowing Crosshair. 
Desperate, AZ lifts the debris, pinning Crosshair, while Omega blasts it from above, freeing the clone. But there's little time left before they'll all be completely submerged. Finally, Wrecker gets the door open. Omega, AZ, and Crosshair come spilling inside. They wasted like zero time <laughs> at the beginning of this episode. They were like, they're like, hey, you remember how our heroes were in peril at the end of the last one? Yeah, we're going to almost kill uh, a few of them. Um, man, they really look. Listen, going into the episode, I had tweeted. If AZ3 doesn't make it out of this, I'm done with Star Wars. <laughs> I'm, I'm like no more collecting uh, no more podcast wow. i'm done which i know is a bold proclamation to make i i and they really they had me a couple of times in this episode where i was like don't you do it don't you do it but what not to get too far ahead of ourselves but spoilers az3 does make it out um and I was so happy about that because hopefully that means that that AZ will be a, a regular uh, uh, character in season two. It, it, I think I even voiced it in the first episode. It was frustrating that he didn't go with them. <laughs> that like, <laughs> why'd you guys leave AZ behind? I don't understand. You don't have a droid, and the, yeah, they've got Gonk, and 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 I suppose they have Echo, uh, but I I but they need a they need a C three PO. They've been missing a C three PO, so. Uh, now they'll have AZ and 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 Gonky and uh, everything will be right in the world. But uh, what did you guys think? How, how do you how do you guys react to this uh, this opening? Yeah, I mean, like you said, they wasted no time in just picking up right where the last one left off and putting them right in peril and kind of setting the tone for what this whole episode was going to be. Because um, Joe and I talked about on the last episode, we were wondering like is the whole Camino thing going to be resolved pretty quickly at the beginning of the episode? Yeah. And then are they going to go off on some other adventure or try to, you know, get back at the empire or meet up with Rex or whatever? Like there was a lot of other stuff that seemed to be kind of set up throughout the season that I thought we were going to see more of in the finale, but uh, no, the whole thing is just them trying to escape from Camino. So um, just the first of many perilous situations that we see them in. Yeah. yeah and like you were saying, it really actually was, pretty tense right like because I, maybe it's because it was the finale i kept saying to myself don't expect everyone to get out alive and right yeah. away it's like oh okay well there's no way they're gonna kill crosshair maybe something's gonna happen and az is gonna be hurt or whatever um but i don't know this this whole episode i was just on edge and, and this and this abrupt opening didn't really help that at all yeah yeah no they they definitely constructed it perfectly to to uh to, to put you in that position of like hey hey right off the bat uh anyone anyone <laughs> something could happen mm -hmm. to any one of these characters and we went through the whole episode it was like like so much uh right uh, like tension throughout the episode of like which like who's going to have to make the sacrifice because someone's gonna have to make the sacrifice in order for mm -hmm. everybody to make it out right um, it's like, like, again, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but when they drop into the tunnel and it's like, oh, it's clear. I was like, it can't be that easy. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like we got, we still got half an episode left. It can't be that easy. They're not, this isn't just a, uh, uh, you know, a, a, a walk in the park. Uh, yeah, it, it, uh, they, they definitely like kind of, kind of kept us there. And, and, and I thought 
that crosshair was probably like the most likely um uh, mm-hmm. either crosshair or az but uh, I, I, but yeah thankfully i mean i i think rightly so the the writers know that these characters have a lot more to offer uh than their death um it's 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 actually a lesson that maybe some other star Wars writers could learn from not, and I'm not singling out. I'm literally in this case, not singling out anybody, but, but I do think, I do think that a lot of the time star Wars writers go for that. So, and, and, and look, sometimes it's absolutely 100% earned and the right call Kanan's death is absolutely mm. the right call. There's no yeah. other way to do that story um, that is as satisfying as that. And and granted, does it suck that Jason doesn't have a father? Sure, of course that sucks. But I I it it is the right thing for that character for 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 him to to uh, to sacrifice himself for his family. Um, like that's sort of like the whole star Wars rebels, the whole series building to that moment. Um, Mm -hmm. And then obviously Ezra, Ezra afterwards sort of making his sacrifice. So there are times where it makes sense and it is Luke in the last Jedi, right? Like, like there are times where, where it's absolutely earned and justified. I also think that there's a lot of star Wars that just like goes the route of, and then they were redeemed by dying. And it's like, that's not really, (laughs) It's not always satisfying. Sometimes it's very dissatisfying. Uh, I won't name names, but you guys know what I'm talking about. We know uh, the names. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I also think, because I also, I also went into this expecting that somebody was going to die. Um, yeah. But we didn't get that. But we also didn't really get, you know, not to jump too far ahead, but we didn't really get a resolution to the whole conflict between them and Crosshair either. So clearly there's some things that I think a lot of us expected them to wrap up by the end of season one that clearly are just going to be like ongoing conflicts and, and storylines throughout the series. Um, yeah. So I think, you know, we definitely still could lose somebody later down the line. There's obviously a lot more, you know, conflict that's still going to come between these characters. Um, but yeah, looking back on it in retrospect now, it's like, even if we do lose somebody eventually, I'm glad they didn't do it here at the end of season one. Cause like you said, they, uh, they've got a lot more they can do with all these guys. I thought if anything, we might lose either tech or echo because they're like, they're the two most similar out of the group. Um, and especially if crosshair were to like rejoin the group, which I thought might happen, but that also didn't happen either. So, um, but yeah, we'll see what happens, but for, here the the thing with the thing with echo is that i i would suggest that everybody go and and read the interview with brad rao and jennifer corbett that's on starwars.com it's i don't think that they've utilized it as well as they could yet but but i this is definitely a vibe that i've gotten throughout the season um but echo I think because people are looking at skill sets and not character motivation, there's a lot of like ah, tech and echo are the same thing. And it's like, no, no, no tech is very much motivated by his skill set. So I understand why people feel that way. Echo is not echo is the, the reason why echo is on the team. The reason why he exists as part of this crew is 
to constantly be pointing the team back towards what's right because mm. they don't have that moral compass as a group, right? The the Bad Batch Clone Force 99, they're 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 black ops. So it's like the mission, right? It's always about completing the mission. Hunter's mission changed at the at at the beginning of the series to now we have to survive. Crosshair obviously doubled down on no, we take orders from the top, right? And the other two just follow along with with Hunter because he's the CEO, right? So like that's but Echo is from outside of that. And because Echo is, uh, uh, I mean, like sort of for lack of a better way of looking at it, he's like a 501st Rex Anakin clone, right? Um, Like that's Mm -hmm. his lineage. He's got that moral compass that comes from from Rex, Anakin and Obi-Wan and Ahsoka of like, no, no, you do the right thing. Like you like we're we're the good guys, not just we complete the mission, but like sometimes the mission isn't what's right. Right. And, and I think that like the, one of the reasons why the rest of the bad batch has the ability to, to break off and, and do what they do is because echo is a part of that group. But like right down to the, the episode where they, where they rescue Gregor. If, if Echo's not part of the team that never happens. Right. Mm-hmm. So Hunter is never captured. So they never end up back on Camino and they never have that confrontation with crosshair. So echo echoes role is it to me, it, it needs to be more clear in the next season. I don't deny that, but I do think that the writers understand what differentiates him from tech because tech is very much logistics and, and data. Right. Um, and then echo it's like, I, I, I would actually say that what we've seen with Echo is that they keep they keep treating him like he's a Swiss Army knife and he and it, it's very clear that that's not what he is because it never works. Right. Like he, he mm-hmm. always something always goes wrong. And to me, it's like if that happened once or twice, it's a coincidence. It's like, oh, like, oh, they're just they're just creating conflict or, you know, raising stakes or whatever it's happened like four or five times in the first season. And that says to me that like, this is an intentional choice that every time echo goes to do the slicing thing, it's like, no, this is not your role in the group. And I think that next season we'll probably explore that more. Cause, cause like I said, if you read that, that, that article, read that interview, they talk about it and they talk about him as that character. He's sort of like, he's sort of Rex's proxy almost. Um, and, and so I think like they're, they're probably in the process of writing season three, if not already, you know, partway down the road on that and thinking about season four already. So like, they're like, they're, it's, it's always interesting. This was an exercise with Dave Filoni as well. You'd listen to his answers and it would always give you hints of where things are going, but you'd have to really, really, really read between the lines. Here's the thing. Dave was, I mean, still is because if, if, if we ever get to go to a star Wars celebration again and people ask him questions about Ahsoka, uh, like the Ahsoka series or Mandalorian, he'll give these answers. He is frustratingly uh, clever in the way that he responds to things. <laughs> I, I have noticed that that Brad Rao in particular is not as adept at that skill, 
Um, <laughs> that's not a knock. It's just like, I've just noticed that like, especially in the, in the, in the round table interview that we do with him, it's like, he will say stuff. And that stuff is very much like, okay, we can, you can infer a lot from what he just said. Um, and, and now that we're at the end of the season, it's like, yeah, okay. He, 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 like he, he, he's not as good of a poker player as Dave Filoni is. Cause, cause Filoni could be like, is Ahsoka alive? And, and it's like, like, we know Ahsoka's alive right now. You're like, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> right. And you'd be like, <laughs> yeah. you'd be like, wait, what does that mean? <laughs> right. Like he's so good at that, at that sort of just like playfulness and, and, and uh, keeping us on our toes. But, uh, but, but I feel like, like you can, you can listen to what, what uh, Jennifer Corbett and Brad Rousey and really like, pull a lot out of that so when they talk about echo that way it's like oh, okay so you guys have written some stories that that um, that nail this a little bit more so i think we have that to look forward to in season two um because just we've said it before on the podcast but maybe this is your first episode listening which would be weird it's a season finale but whatever uh you always got to act like it's somebody's first episode it, it, the animation timelines are so far out that like season if season two comes next like this time next year that means that like they're well down the the road on season two and and the supervising director and head writer they're not as worried about season two as they are about season three (laughs) and then probably like i said like season four is what they're thinking this show is no less than five seasons by the way guaranteed that like i i stake my reputation on it um but yeah, I, I, so I don't know. I, I would say like echo to me is almost the safest of them because we need mm-hmm. echo in order to fulfill the destiny of some of these characters, because he's the one who's He's the Jimmy cricket. That's going to keep them on the straight and narrow when like Hunter has some tendencies. He's not that different from crosshair. It's one of the conflicts that'll come up next season. I guarantee it. Right, he's going to do anything that it takes to keep his family safe, um, you know, including like like you know he he might actually cross some lines. We'll, we'll I think we'll see that next year, but um, yeah, and then and then Tech has no moral compass, and then Wrecker has a heart of gold, but uh, 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 you know the the I I well, he's like the scarecrow, right? Uh, I. So it, it, it's yeah, like I, I I think like you need Echo, you need Echo more than you need any of the other ones, in my opinion. That's how I feel about it. Yeah, no, I can see that too, and and I mean I'm not trying to say like oh Tech and Echo are the same. I'm just kind of saying like surface level they sometimes have a similar role on the team in terms of doing the tech stuff and whatever. Um, but yeah, I love Echo in those moments where he gets to be like sort of the moral compass of the group and the group that or the the one that sort of does tie them back to rex and the the regs and the clone troopers that we're more familiar with mm-hmm. um among these guys that are so so much different from that um i mean that was just that was just kind of a, a brief thought that i had that maybe you know if they were to For kill sure. somebody off it could have been one of those two but because obviously i mean i feel like the most emotional death would have been like if hunter died to save omega but then it's like well then you have no leader of the group so um I don't know. That was just kind of some stuff I was speculating on. Also, real quick, you mentioned the animation timeline. And one thing I noticed from looking at the episode guides on StarWars.com, I think they're they're streamlining and kind of speeding up the process a bit. Because, like, back in the day, especially, like, early days of Clone Wars, I know they were working on episodes, like, three years in advance. 
And if you would look at like the, um, the concept art for some of those episodes, you know, it would be marked like two or three years before the episode came out. Um, but like all the, the, the concept art and the episode galleries for the bad batch is all from like a year ago. Um, so despite how fantastic this whole season has looked, they've found some way to do it quicker than they used to. So, um, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I, I, I agree. Like I, yeah. Cause I'm looking at that, the, the, the Mount Tantus one right now, I have it up and it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's literally like, it's a year and one month old <laughs> uh, yeah. it's J- J- June or I guess, I guess two months now at June 18th, 2020. So, um, yeah, totally, totally. They've gotten a lot better at it. And, and yeah, you're right. Like season, like seasons one through five of Clone Wars, they were like three years ahead. I, I like in terms of concept art and stuff like that. But, but also I'm the biggest thing is that the production pipeline, they already have so many assets, right? So much of the stuff, like if you look at the concept art, you look at the notes on the concept art, a lot of it is like, use this asset from, Clone Wars. Use this asset from Rebels and reskin it. Use this thing from Star Wars Resistance and put some new paint on it. Right, like yeah, true. So there, there's a lot of that that happens that I think speeds up production for sure. But but in order for them to be working on the concept art for season two, a couple months ago, the writing has to have been done six months before that. Right. So if you if you kind of look at it that way, it's like they're like I said, like they're focused on season three, like as 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 supervising director and writer. It's like like they're they're already like ahead of the game in season three and thinking towards season four and stuff like that. So that's what that's what I'm saying there is just like like they have to kind of always have their as the leaders, they always have to have their head a little bit further ahead than everybody else. And yeah, for sure. And they are definitely writing season three. Now I would, I would guarantee that that's what's happening right now while season two is being produced. Um, yeah, for sure. Uh, because I mean like from concept art to finished product, that's also a pretty significant amount of time. Um, cause they're, they're working on these episodes. Uh, pretty close to air. Uh, like like mm-hmm. uh, when you when you see like what Joel Aaron tweets and stuff like that, like his teams are still working on these up until like like uh, two weeks before they go. So it's uh yeah yeah I, it the, it they, there's a lot of different stages all going at once right now. I think. Um, oh, do, yeah, we wanna, sure. do we want to continue with the recap? We only yeah, got one paragraph so far. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Usual, right? Yeah. Okay. Crosshair first confronts Hunter, believing this destruction is his doing. Hunter explains that it was the Empire that destroyed Topoka City, and the Bad Batch saved him. If you want to stay here and die, that's your call, Hunter says, as the group readies to move on. But soon, there's nowhere left to run. The facility tilts and descends, and the Bad Batch uh, hold on. The Bad Batch hold on as the wreckage falls and crashes around them. Finally, the structure stops as it comes to rest on the ocean floor. Though no one suffered injuries, water once again begins to pour in. Tech leads the group away to a more secure location, the Bad Batch's former barracks. While Crosshair and Hunter argue, Omega notices that the building landed on the underwater tunnel. If they can get inside, they can get back to the Marauder. 
yeah, yeah. More more tense action. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it it's kind of a weird episode to recap, right? Because like obviously yeah. there's all of this and psychological then this stuff. And then this happened. And but in terms happened. of a recap, yeah, it's very much like and then they go from this frying pan into this fire. I uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's uh yeah, like it's it's kind of almost mechanical. When I was reading this back, I was like, okay, and then they go there and then they do this and then they do that, and I was like it's there there will be a section uh towards the end of the episode that's like it's a very long paragraph because it's just the final action sequence but a lot mm-hmm. happens in that action sequence so mm-hmm. um but yeah it it's uh but that's sort of like that we were talking about that's the tension right um but i i, I thought it was interesting that like that that crosshair was like you guys did this and it's like really you think that <laughs> you think that like you're giving them a lot of credit crosshair um yeah <laughs> i don't know they can do a lot of damage but i don't know if four clones and uh and 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 a kid clone can you know destroy an entire city but uh, <laughs> I, I don't know i guess if you yeah. put your city on on stilts on top of the ocean you you're leaving yourself open to uh some vulnerabilities but yeah now i was a little bit frustrated though by the whole you know just kind of their whole debate and and uh crosshairs mentality here because i was hoping that when he realized that it was the empire who fired on them and was destroying you know topoka city and everything that like that might kind of wake him up a little bit again to the fact that they view clones as expendable and that he thinks oh because i'm the special one and i'm part of the bad batch and i got these skills and whatever that i'm going to make myself more useful than the regs and there will be a place for me in the empire and it's like, well, clearly not. They were willing to just bury you under the ocean. But then, you know, he kind of rationalizes it. And it's like, oh, well, I would have made the same call. And they did what needed to be done and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, doesn't, like, I, I wasn't necessarily expecting him to turn on a dime right there. But it didn't seem to shake his faith at all I, in the he, fact that, you yeah. know, these these guys that he's so loyal to are, you know, willing to kill him. And at this don't, point, don't care about him at all yet. Yeah, and it, it's it, like after that, I was kind of like, well, what is? I feel like we need some more development with Crosshair in, into like why is he so loyal to the Empire? I mean, I know like obviously with him, it started with the chip, but now we know his chip is out, and he still yeah. is loyal to them. And we got some of those scenes early in the season with the other guys in his squad where they were talking about you know the Empire being more secure and stable, and they take care of me where the Republic didn't, and blah blah blah. And it's like, okay, you can see why some people can get on board with the Empire. But when you've seen, you know, what they've done to all the other clones and now what they've done to you and you're still like, no, there's still a place for me at the table. The Empire is right and I will be by their side and whatever. It's like, I feel like we need a little bit more now to really buy into, you know, why he would be yeah. so fiercely loyal to them. Uh, here's here's the thing. Here's the thing. Not to get too political, but I'm going to go there. I, Crosshair is an anti-vaxxer. <laughs> crosshair is a I is a it. is a no mask anti-vaxxer and when i say that meaning he has thrown in his lot with the bad guys in this instance um he's made that decision uh and so everything he says now is in service of justifying that decision because he's done some pretty horrendous stuff, right? And Crosshair's redemption, the key to it is not going to be, 
Omega or Hunter or or anybody else forgiving him, it's going to have to be him forgiving himself for the for the choices that he's made. Because like like the the people that he's slaughtered and and the things that he's done now in the name of of the empire, uh, they can't be for nothing. And that sort of that's what we're seeing with I think a lot of people who early on in the pandemic made decisions of like I'm not going to do that I'm not going to wear a mask because nobody tells me what to do, and now we're in a world where it, that the repercussions of that are very real. Uh, they are observable. Um, uh, the 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 number of people infected, the deaths, and all of that stuff like these are real numbers. I, I, and it's observable. I mean, like, like, you know, uh, uh, someone that you care about may have, may have come down with COVID and, and, uh, and, and, and it may have been serious, you know, if, if you're in those camps, I think that that's highly likely, but what you see is this like doubling and tripling down on that mentality because it can't have been for nothing, right? Like those, those, like the cost was too high for them to have been wrong. So they're going to do whatever mental gymnastics they have to do in order to justify the decision that they made and the harm that they caused. And Crosshair is exactly in that position. And look, they when they wrote this, they could not have known that that would be the world that we are currently <laughs> living in. These are these are realities of human nature, right? Like this is stuff that's been true for thousands of years, basically, you know, I'm like, I mean, it, it's as long as we've had morality, this is, this has been a conundrum. Right. Um, and this is, this is one of the things that we saw, like to, to bring it into the direct correlation to star Wars in Nazi Germany with people who went along with it and did things like they turned, they turned in their neighbors because their neighbors were Jews. And, after that decision, it's like were those some of those people were good people that made very very bad choices, and uh, kind of damned themselves, right? But once you've started down, this is the dark side, right? It's like once you start <laughs> down that path, forever will it dominate your destiny. Like that's what Yoda says. It's not about it being like once you start down the dark path, you can't turn back from it. That's not what Yoda says, right? But it will always be there. It will always be a part of your destiny. Um, and, and that's where crosshair is at right now is that like, he chose the dark side. Um, I actually, I, I had this thought yesterday uh, about, um, you know, like, like I, I Qui-Gon says like to, to Shmi on, on Tatooine, it was the will of the force that, that brought us here to find, to discover Anakin. Like, that's why we're here. It's the will of the force. And he takes Anakin back to the Jedi council and he's like, guys, it's the will of the force, right? That's why we ended up on that planet. That's why we brought this kid back. I, uh, uh, and, and, and star Wars fandom cheers for that. Right. It's like, yeah, of course it's Anakin Skywalker. And then for some reason, when the bad batch who are the central characters of this story, encounter Kane and Jarrus and then they encounter uh, I saw Guerrera and then they encounter uh, you know I, I, I uh, the 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 oh, the sisters uh, what's their oh Trace and Rafa yeah Trace and Rafa 
I, I, and then they encounter Hera and it's, and everybody's like, Oh, small galaxy, small galaxy, small galaxy. Hey, how about, how about the force you guys? <laughs> how about it's star Wars and these characters who are all integral to the story with trace and Rafa, we don't know the full extent of that yet, but we will once Ahsoka premieres because they're one or both of them is definitely in that show. Um, like, like it's not about it being a small galaxy. It's that it's that the force uses like it works through these people. And so, you know, if the force is working through them to restore balance, of course, all these characters are going to cross paths. And that like the, the same will go for crosshair on his path following the dark side. Right. And, and, and like he, he may not be a force user. He's not a Jedi, but like, make no mistake. It's the same primal element that motivates those dark decisions in someone like crosshair or, or Thrawn or any of the other bad guys as, as it does with Sidious or Darth Maul or, or Vader or any of the, the Sith, right? It's just that the Jedi and the Sith understand that power and can communicate with it. There, they, it's uh, the, the, the thing that Obi-Wan says of like, you know, it obeys your commands partially, but like or controls your actions, but it also obeys your commands, right? Like it's, it, it like it's, it's a, it's a paradox, but that's, that's the truth that the Jedi and the Sith live with. The rest of the galaxy is just kind of at the, at the whim <laughs> of the force. And, and I think that's what we're seeing with these characters. And I think that like seeing Mount Tantus at the end of the episode, um and and knowing some stuff about that and 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 the legends canon the legends eu um and dark force users and all of that stuff and then now in the in the newer canon having inquisitors and all of that stuff i i it's like okay i think next season there's a very good chance that we're gonna see the grand inquisitor next season I, a very good chance, like an intensely good chance that we're going to see him, that we might see some of the other uh, uh, Inquisitors, right? Like, I I, I think it's highly likely that we will, that at some point, Bad Batch will explore the beginning of the Inquisitorious. Like, it, it would be absurd for them not to. Um, so it's like, I will see that on, on that side of it as well. Um, and like, that's why he can't go with them at the end because we have to have a character that we're rooting for. That's on the dark side that we're kind of, that we want back. They saw They saw what happened with Callus, and they were like, what if we prolong that though? Like, what if, <laughs> yeah. what if, what if we do what we, what they did with Callus on rebels, but like, what if it's a real slow burn over three seasons? I, I, I think that's what we're going to get with, uh, with, with crosshair. That was a lot of tangents. I don't remember how exactly we started <laughs> on that, but said a lot of stuff I wanted to say. Uh, uh, and, 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 and anything from you guys? Yeah, well, we started because I was talking about Crosshair's motivation for, for staying with the Empire. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, and I, I totally get with what you're saying that he just feels like he can't turn from that at this point and he just has to kind of stick with it and justify it. But I do hope that maybe in season two, that we maybe get like a little bit more explanation or exploration of that, that makes it at least a little bit more understandable. Cause it's like 
It's like you get it, but it's also frustrating to watch. It's like I know you feel like yeah. you can't turn from that, but like there's no logical explanation for why you're still loyal to these guys. So I don't know. Hopefully I, we'll see some yeah, more, some more development. Of I that. think what Crosshair needs to see is that cruelty is the point in yeah. some instances, right? Because I don't think that he's been witness to that yet. Um, I another thing that like that that we could very well see at some point in this series. I mean, I brought up Callus. We could absolutely see Callus's origin story at some point in this, um, and and uh, I, everything with uh, with uh, oh man, what what's what species is Zeb? The oh the uh, Lasan, Lasan, yeah, yeah, and Lasan, yeah. We like that. It's it's entirely possible that, like I said, this this show is no less than five seasons in my opinion. I I and and so you know. At that point, we we're we're so close to Star Wars Rebels that we could start to to plant some more of those seeds, right? Um, but uh, uh, yeah, like, like I I think that that's gonna have to be the thing that he sees because right now his position is that the Empire is doing what it needs to to maintain order, right? And 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 that order is what's good for the galaxy. And it's his job to to follow orders, and and the empire is all about that, right? Um, follow orders. It is order. That's <laughs> order is is trying to control chaos, right? But mm-hmm. when he sees that the 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 means to that end aren't always justified that that's where I think we'll start to see the, the, the crack in that armor. But I think it's going to have to, he's going to have to go pretty far down that path. The, the key to that is that he needs to be trusted in order for that to be the case, right. In Mm -hmm. order for, for some of these Imperials to like, sort of, you know, uh, uh, take off the mask and, and, and for him to see that like, Oh, some of these guys are here just to, like they're here because they're bad guys. They're sociopaths. They're they're evil, right? And then and then to see that in in himself and recognize, oh, I'm I am one of the bad guys. Hunter is right, um, but it's gonna have to be so startling that that it overpowers that need for him to be right. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. It's it's so interesting to me how they've positioned Hunt, uh, how they've posi- positioned Crosshair as this allegory. Uh, and it's like so perfect for where we're at right now as society. But, but that's the thing about star Wars is that, like I said, like, like so much of this is Nazi parallels. Right. Um, and it's just that we're seeing a resurgence of some of that ideology right now. So it's making this very, like almost prescient of like, Oh, you guys kind of saw the future a little bit by writing this yeah. a couple of years ago and now, you know, releasing it in 2021. So uh Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it, it 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 it's gonna be interesting to see how that evolves. Knowing that they would have written season two and three in twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one, right? With the stuff that's gone on in the last year, um, and and how that's gonna sort of uh, uh, push it and inform it, um, because good Star Wars is about something. It's it it has a it has a point. Um, and, uh, uh, I can't imagine that the last year has had no effect on the types of stories that these writers want to tell. Um, yeah. 
I, I, I hate to tell everybody, uh, burst the bubble, but Star Wars is kind of about social justice. Um, it's been, it's been, it's been a bit of a rocky year for that. So <laughs> we might see that reflected <laughs> in some stories. Uh, do we want to continue? Are we ready to, are we ready to keep going? Yeah, I'll jump into the next part of the recap here. Uh, AZ cuts through the layers of a maintenance deck and reaches the tunnel. The group drops down inside, but Crosshair soon notices cracks in the walls. He demands they find another way out, which leads to another argument. Wrecker laments that Crosshair never tried to come back. We still would have taken you, he says. Tech explains that would not be in Crosshair's nature, but points out, his for- points out to his former squad mate that while he understands him, he is not defending him. Suddenly, a low wailing sound from outside the tunnels fills the air. The group stops in its tracks. Though Omega thinks the tunnels are protected, AZ explains that without operational power, they are vulnerable. Instantly, a great sea creature is upon them. They run forward, but it's too late. The beast rams the tunnel, creating more cracks in the facade. AZ zooms ahead in an attempt to restore power and deter the creature while the rest make a run for it. The creature bites into the tunnel and water begins to pour in. But AZ activates the tunnel's power, sending an electric shock into the beast. It releases from the construct, and the group climbs up to safety at the end of the tunnel. Um, so here we get our bigger fish moment. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I actually, I really like the design of that sea creature. It was oh, like, man. It's you so know, good. half. It, it looked kind of similar to like the big one in Phantom Menace, like with the, the Sando Aqua Monster or whatever, like that final giant one is. Yeah. Um, but it was like that mixed with like some sea turtle. Like it looked like it had a big shell on it and had, you know, like six like fins or whatever. But then with this big monstrous head, it was cool. It is a phenomenal design. Uh, the thing that I think they achieved the best was the scale of it. Um, from the from the moment that we see it and really like we see its maw before we really see what it is, which is such a cool way to do that. Like this Mm is Joel Aaron and his team, like just crushing it on, on the cinematography in this episode and, and playing with like the, the water and sort of like the, the visibility and, 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 and the lighting Um, and sort of like how that, how, how the water diffuses the light and everything. Cause yeah, like, like when we first, we hear the sound and then we get the reveal of it. You kind of, you're kind of like squinting at the screen. And like, I have a 65 inch TV, right? 4k. And I'm watching at night as, as requested by Joel Aaron, I turned off all the lights. He said, like he tweeted that morning. He was like, Hey, tonight's episode, turn off, like, like turn off all the lights as dark as you can get it to get the full effect and i'm so glad that i listened because that's exactly i think that's the moment that he was priming the audience Mm -hmm. for was just this thing of like you're in like it's just this deep blue nothing and then you just kind of see this this pink triangle almost like start to form and you're like wait a second what is that um and like we've already been cute it's a it's obviously some sort of a sea monster right um, but you're like, you're like, and I, I agree with you for a second. I was like, Oh, does Camino have Sando aqua monsters too? Like, are they going to reuse the design, which would be a classic clone wars thing for them to do. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but then as it sort of as we see more and more of it it's like oh no that's something entirely new and different um and yeah it is it is just it's it's a it's a turtle kaiju it's almost it's actually got like a lot of pacific rim vibes to me um oh yeah i could see that like 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 there's some there's some very pacific rim elements to it but it is kind of like it's kind of a a turtle crocodile uh fish thing like i've got the concept art open and i'm looking at it and it's just like man what a thing it'd be what joe how much fun would that be like isn't like that's the dream when it comes to what do you mean like getting to design a sea monster like that yeah Yeah, of of like so the script says that it's a gigantic (laughs) sea monster so big that like at first we don't it's so big that you don't even your brain can't even really comprehend what it's seeing for the first couple of seconds it's like okay cool yeah that's a good challenge i'm gonna have fun with this one right like (laughs) It's uh yeah man they just they 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 gave it almost like a like that jaws kind of vibe it it um especially because they're in the tunnel there's like the uh, uh, jaws 3D uh, if you guys are, are jaws aficionados uh, like I am when they're at the they're at the like the Sea World type marine park and there's like the tube underwater and then and then and then Jaws three the third Jaws. I, I, cause every time they fight a Jaws, it blows up at the end. Right. But then there's always another Jaws. I, I, it's never the same Jaws twice. I, it like, it like chomps down on the glass and stuff. And I was like, this, ha- that has to be an influence on this. Um, so good. So good. They nailed it on this one. Um, this is one of my favorite creature designs that I think we've ever seen in star Wars. I love it. I want a, I want a plushie of this. I want a plushie Purgle and I want a plushie Rathtar. And the fact that there are no plushie Purgle or Rathtar at Galaxy's Edge, I, I, it's, yeah. It's, it's upsetting. It upsets <laughs> me. The little things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I could do without the Rathtars, but I do really love the design <laughs> of the Purgle too. I want. Uh, Dude, I love uh, Rathar so much. I love Rat. I I don't think that anybody else. I I shouldn't say I don't think that anybody else. I have never encountered someone who loves <laughs> Rathars as much as I do. And the the ironic thing about that is that I walked away from the Force Awakens from the first viewing of it, saying I don't know. I don't think I liked that part. Like it. Like that was the one part of the movie that I was like, man. I didn't really like that. And then I think it was like my, it was going into like my third or fourth viewing of, of force awakens in theaters where I was like, Oh man, I can't wait for the Rathtar part where I was like, Hmm. Oh, wait a second. I love that sequence. It's so good. And, and now it's my, I think it might actually be my favorite part of the force awakens. Cause that whole lead up of like Han in the hallway of the, like, what was the second time? I, all of that (laughs) stuff is so good. Um, Anyways, I want a plushy Rathtar because I can just see like it's just like a little plush ball with the with the the yellow like bobble eyes all over it. And then and then floopy, floopy tentacles. It would be adorable. Adorable. Joe, you were going to say something and I interrupted you to talk. No, about no, Rathars. you're fine. Um, <laughs> I would like I can't remember what uh, the name of the actual in show plushie was. Was it Lulu? Yeah. I want Lulu. 
the two good ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But oh. I want it to be Lulu. Uh, yeah, for sure. Because I think they have like the generic looking ones, but I want the Lulu doll. The 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 black, gray, and red one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah the one that Rector has. It, it, this is all stuff that like they would be stupid not to capitalize on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that to me, like that's less of a of a Galaxy's Edge thing, and I think that's like a Star Wars celebration store. Type oh my of god. Thing. Don't say that. Oh yeah. Even worse. Even harder to get. Uh, you know what? You just gotta. You just gotta be friends with the right people who. Uh, who like? Cause, cause I'm not gonna be there on day one to to bust down the door of the Star Wars Celebration store, but like I have friends who definitely are, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so you just gotta make sure. Like you just say to them, "Hey, if you can do one thing for me." grab one of these please mm. i i and i yeah yeah you just gotta I, I, jo- jonah marie is that person for me she got me the, <laughs> the she got me the rebels the 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 t-shirt from this was from chicago i think the the one of like the the mural from the end of the series that t-shirt oh, okay. which like yeah, sure. It has not. It has not lasted as uh, like it's not the 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 print on it is not as durable as I would have liked. Mm-hmm. In particular, the purple has all like flaked off. So Zeb is is kind of half gone, um, like a like in Back to the Future. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I I so I don't wear it very often. I'm kind of saving it. I, I I save it for special occasions like Rebels Remembered Day and stuff like that. But I yeah. Yeah, yeah, Jonah. I said, like, I, I gotta have that T-shirt. Please, 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 get me one. And and, and she came through because Jonah Marie is awesome. Uh, Jonah Marie. Yeah. So, so if I need something like that, that's that's she's my go-to. She's like, I know that she'll come through. Uh, anything else? And 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 anything? Or or we'll keep going. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm good to keep going. Good? Okay. <laughs> it's pretty. It's pretty much more. Uh... And then this happened, yeah. and then this happened, and this happened. So. Uh, as they regroup, AZ explains that he has caused the remaining power of the structure to short out. But you have survived the transit, he adds. This outcome is satisfactory. <laughs> I love AZ so much. <laughs> I, <laughs> they arrive in Nalise's private lab. Tech says that this is where Omega saw the development of Clone Force 99. She was there, and is older than the Bad Batch. But there's a new problem, as the last tunnel leading to the Marauder has been destroyed. Plus, AZ's battery reserves are depleting, long-range comms are down, and oxygen levels will be critical in a few hours. This is what happens when you let a kid call the shots, Crosshair sneers. That kid saved your life, unlike the Empire who left you for dead, Hunter fires back. Uh, Crosshair defends the Empire, saying it did what needed to be done. The Empire will control the entire galaxy, and I am going to be part of it, Crosshair says. Don't fool yourself, Hunter replies. They just argue. Uh, (laughs) All you'll ever be to them is a number. Omega sits with Crosshair. She explains that she was lonely before the Bad Batch were created, which is why she wanted to find them again. Being a clone doesn't make you one of them, Crosshair barks. I wanted to believe it was the inhibitor chip that made you like this, Omega replies, but I was wrong. Uh, man, what a, like, that's a gut wrenching moment for me, because that, that goes all the way back to the first episode, right? Um, yeah. 
when she's like it's she's like it's not your fault like it's you i know i know it's not you sort of thing um and now she's like oh no actually it turns out that you are just a massive jerk uh which is gut-wrenching but also so satisfying for me i wasn't on the episode last week so i couldn't say it but you guys know I was right. This is exactly what I wanted. <laughs> like the like the moment last week of him being like of him being like, no, this was my choice. And then more of it this week of of, of them just kind of driving home to like, oh yeah, no, that's crosshair. It's not the inhibitor chip. The inhibitor chip, like the reason why the inhibitor chip worked with crosshair when it didn't with the others is because crosshair was already halfway there. All he needed was a nudge, right? Um so are you ready to admit that you ghostwrite for this show and are just pretending <laughs> like, oh, guys, I have a prediction that's going to come I wish. through. Like, I wish that were four months from now. I I have said for almost the entire duration yeah. of, of my Star Wars podcasting career uh, to Lucasfilm, like, hey, I'm right here. I'm right <laughs> here if you guys if you guys want, because. Cause yeah, like I could, I, I feel like I could definitely keep up with, uh, with, I'm not as good of an actual writer, but, uh, but I could hang out in the story group <laughs> for sure. There I could, yeah. I could sit next to Matt Martin, I feel like, and, uh, and, and, and contribute at that level, I think of, of like, Hey, I know a lot about star Wars and I think that this would be a good story point, but it's so, it is just so satisfying to me that they, they, are doing the challenging thing with crosshair, right? Because it's easy to make it like, Oh, the inhibitor chip makes him a bad guy. Right. Because that's a solvable problem. We get the inhibitor chip out. All of a sudden he's, he's part of the team again, but instead we get to this moment and I, and it's like, Oh, can he ever really be a part of the team? Is that is what was he ever really a part of the team to begin with? I think is the question that we need to ask. It's like, how much was he a part of Clone Force 99 the whole time? And and like sort of looking back at it retrospectively, it's like, was he just there out of uh, uh, loyalty uh, less than, you know, wanting to be a part of, of this team? of this family. But I'm like, I think that's a, that's a question that we'll wrestle with next season. Right. Um, but yeah, it's to me like that, that is, it's like I said, like the, the characters all live because there's so much more for us to do with them. I, uh, in, in future stories, there's so much story left to tell with them. Um, and this is a great example of like, like this choice with crosshair so much more interesting than, um, then I think even what like they would have done in like early Clone Wars or Star Wars Rebels of, of going like that sort of more direct route of, oh, inhibitor chip. Right. But ha- like like the, the whole like alluding to the fact that when the the um, the thruster burned his face, that like that's what removed the inhibitor chip that like mm-hmm. it damaged the chip and and, and, and then he took it out. Um, yeah. So cool because it's like, oh, so like. I mean, he kind of did it to himself, but also Bad Batch helped. Uh, but it's like they kind of they did it. They 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 achieved that goal. They removed the inhibitor chip, not just uh, their own, but also crosshairs in in that story. Um, but it but it wasn't the inhibitor chip that was making them loyal to the Empire, which is just so cool. Um, 
Yeah, and yeah, Omega, sure. Omega being like, like almost turning her back on him uh, in this moment. It, yeah, it definitely like it's it's one of those those things where it's like, oh dang, if you if you've pissed off Omega, you've crossed the line. And I think that <laughs> they they Crosshair's reaction in that moment, his the way that he like his, the the way that he emotes after she says that is like. I think it's what motivates his decision towards the end of the episode of like him sort of trying to, to prove a point of like, I'm not actually a bad guy. Right. Yeah. Even though he's making bad decisions. Well, and I think, I mean, you talked earlier about how, like if he's going to have a redemption arc, it's going to kind of hinge on him, you know, realizing how bad the empire is and finally coming to terms with how bad some of the stuff is that he's done and having to finally, um, I don't know, just sort of come to terms with that and like sort of seek forgiveness or redemption for that. Um, But I also think, I think it's going to hinge on Omega. Like if anybody can get through to him, I think it's her because Mm -hmm. as much as he tries to be like the tough guy and he's arguing with the rest of the squad and he's like, no, I'm not going to go along with you guys. He obviously has a soft spot for the kid, just like all the rest of them do as much as he kind of tries to hide it. Um, And yeah, I do think, I mean, maybe that moment at the beginning of the season when when all the rest of them were like, no, Crosshair, don't do this. And she's like, I know you're going to do it anyway, and it's okay because I know it's not in your control. And she kind of, like, forgives him and, like, almost gives him permission to, like, be who he is because he can't control it. Like, I can't help but wonder, like, is was that part of his motivation all along? Like, did he maybe have that in the back of his mind going, hey, at least somebody, like, validates me or is, like, yeah. is okay with this? And now her being like... Oh, like I'm not even on board with this anymore. Um, you know, if he's going to kind of feel that loss of like, oh dang, like maybe I should rethink this. Um, and then, like you said, yeah, obviously the moment we'll get to later in the episode, um, and then the the conversation that the two of them have at the end. Yeah, um, yeah, I feel like it, it might just be an internal thing where he has to kind of reckon with everything that he's done and everything that the Empire is. But if there's any outside force that can push him back toward the right path, I think it's Omega. So. Um, yeah, we'll see, uh, I don't know if she's able to influence him anymore going forward, but also speaking of Omega, I thought it was interesting and a, a, a bit confusing. Um, like I want to know how the math stacks up on this, that she's older than the bad batch, because we know that she's like an unaltered clone, like Boba who doesn't age twice as fast. Um, but also, you know, Boba's what, like 13, 14 by this point, and Omega certainly seems younger than that, like maybe mm-hmm. 10 or 11 at the most. And so I'm like, well, if she was created before the Bad Batch, are they just like, are they super young? Were they in like the, you know, one of the latest batches of clones, or do they age even faster than everybody else? I mean, we've always just assumed that they age like exactly at, you know, like two years for every one normal year. Yeah. Um, just because in Attack of the Clones, I, Lama Su says yeah. we can do it in half the time, but maybe it's a little bit faster than that. I don't know. I so when 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 she says that, she's talking about full maturity, right? So what she's saying is that we can get them to uh, uh, adult. So so let's say twenty, right? In ten years, because that's the we know from the of the timeline, like that Sifo-Dyas makes the order right after phantom menace right Mm -hmm. and then there's 10 years between phantom menace and attack of the clones so the first the first batch is ready when obi-wan arrives right on schedule because palpatine 
is a planner like that. So like if, if, if that's where we're at, then yeah, it makes perfect sense. If she's 12, she's two years older than them. Maybe because here's the other part of it. Like we're talking about clone force 99. They're altered. They're, they're altered more than your average clone. That's when Lama Sue says that she's talking about the regs. She's not talking about clone force, not 99. We don't know what Nala say did to turn them into clone force 99, right? They were, they were defective clones like, like 99, right? Their, their, their designation is based on 99. So that's like, that's the beginning of the clone war when that happens. So they weren't designated as clone force 99 until after that had already happened. Right. Like uh, until like uh, until after 99 had made his sacrifice, which is not like like well into the Clone Wars, but decently into the Clone Wars. So. Like, it's entirely possible that like maybe they're maybe they are like 10 years old and like they don't know it. Maybe they they because they've been out fighting in the war for the last two years or something like that. But but before that, like like they they might have accelerated their aging even more. The other thing mm-hmm. that this does for me is that this confirms my suspicion, which is that it's not a constant rate. Like the, like the, the 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 growth acceleration is a controlled process to get them to maturity, and then it slows down, which is what explains how Rex can still be alive in Return of the Jedi. Right, because otherwise he'd he'd be like ninety in Return of the Jedi, right? <laughs> no, that's not true. Because there's, I mean, there's ninety. So let's say Rex is you know in his twenties around the time of or like by by Revenge of the Sith. I mean, yeah, because Revenge of the Sith is thirteen years after Phantom Menace. Yeah. So let's say Rex is twenty six, and then there's nineteen years between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope. So that would be thirty eight years. So he'd be what like sixty four, which is about which. You know that that pretty much lines up with how old he looks in Rebels. So I I think yeah, but then the, but then, I think but then to return to the same rate. But then to return to the Jedi, another ten years, <laughs> right? Uh, like age age for him, like 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 his like double age years, and yeah, I I don't know. Like I I think that they've that they've sort of implied that like it's like it slows down to normal aging at a certain point. That like by the time that they're in like their twenties, that it that it it moves back into to to a normal normal rate. But um, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Maybe they'll confirm it at some point. Maybe they don't need to. Maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe this is actually the least important aspect of Star Wars. <laughs> oh no! I, when I say maybe, I I'm actually saying that it is. This is this is not important to the story. I uh, Rex is there. That's the important part that, that, to the story. Who cares what the justification is? But my personal yeah. feelings is that like, yeah, like they can. And with clone force 99, like that's the feeling that I'm getting is that like a, these guys are a newer batch than, than Rex. Uh, they're not like the freshest batch. Cause we, we saw actual kids um, at, at like in the previous episode. Oh but, yeah. But yeah, but Clone Force ninety nine is younger than 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 Rex and Cody and and who are like by by my understanding like they're they're first off the line right like they're they're original 
uh, issue. Clone yeah, doesn't Omega be... even say that about Rex that he's a, a first generation clone? Yeah, yeah. She can yeah. tell by the lines in his eyes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I. Uh, we want to keep going. Yeah, sure. sure. Uh, is it me or is it you? Yeah, it, it's. Oh, I was wrong. Yeah, you. okay, right. Yeah. In the lab. In the lab, the Bad Batch come up with a plan to use medical capsules to reach the surface. They'll need AZ to guide them upward and away from falling wreckage. Omega and AZ prep explosives on the lab's exterior glass. With little time to lose, they all take their places inside the pods and Omega hits the detonator. As the glass explodes, water gushes into the lab. The capsules begin to drift and AZ darts back and forth, pushing each along and out of harm's way. But a large beam blindsides AZ, slamming into the droid and Omega. The droid, now dangerously low on power, steadies himself, but the heavy debris pushes Omega's capsule downward. The Bad Batch reach the surface and quickly see that Omega did not make it. AZ manages to free Omega's pod and pushes it upward. Hunter reaches Omega on the comm, and she assures him that she'll be okay, but AZ's power is failing. Omega pleads with the droid to hang on, but he cannot. Your path is clear, he says, and my heart broke. I have completed my objective. AZ shuts down and drifts away lifelessly. I'm going after AZ, Omega yells into the comm. She opens her pod and swims to the droid, but he's too heavy. Hunter prepares to dive in, but stops as Crosshair raises his sniper rifle. He fires into the water and pulls Omega and AZ up with a grappling line. Crosshair surrenders his weapon and sits in silence. Meanwhile, Tech gets a visual on the Marauder. Boy, my heart was in my throat during this. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Guys. I was like, that's it. AZ's done. No. Yeah, this was so perfectly executed, both in the, the uh, is AZ done for? And then, oh no, is Crosshair about to, what's he about to do, right? And like, who's going to stop him was my thought mm-hmm. of like, like, like Hunter's not going to be able to get to the, like, like they're, all of this is like, oh, you know, like, like characters are going to be fine. Omega is going to be fine. But how is Hunter going to react to Crosshair? And then it's like, oh, no, Crosshair actually like he's doing the right thing, um, which was it, it was they just nailed it. They just nailed the execution on this of making me like second guess all of it the whole time of like, oh, they're going to kill AZ. And then they save AZ. And it just yeah, they did such a good job. They nailed it. Yeah. Well, first of all, I was, I mean, I like AZ too, but I was prepared to lose AZ. Like they kind of set you up for that when he's like, yeah, you know, yeah. I don't, you're, you're like a couple times. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> like a couple times throughout the episode, he mentioned his power, you know, being low or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then when he gets here, he's like, you know, I barely have just enough power left to get you guys to the surface. And I was like, oh, okay. Cause I was also still in the mindset of like, who are we going to lose by the end of this episode? Yeah. It's a season finale. And- Somebody's got to die. Yeah. yeah, and so I'm thinking, I'm like, oh, okay, so maybe this is the part where, like, they're all going to make it, but AZ's going to die. I was like, that's an acceptable sacrifice. Um, and then, you know, as they're going up, and I'm still wondering, I'm like, man, is, is somebody not going to make it? Like, this is the final stretch before they get to safety, but then, you know, they all make it, and it's just Omega and AZ, and I'm like, okay, like, obviously Omega's going to be fine, so this is just the part where we... we lose az <laughs> which I mean, and again i'm glad that he survived i'm glad that he's going with the rest of the team but also just because he's so like in the past he's been so tied to camino 
And that's always where we've seen him. And, you know, with fives and everything, I feel like that would have been like one final, you know, heartbreaking, like emotional loss just tied to all this, you know, the destruction of Camino and all the all the nostalgia that's connected to that and all the stories that we've seen on Camino over the years to like lose AZ right at the end too. Just would have been like a final farewell, like, you know, like sort of the last piece of Camino that they're losing. Um, and so as he powers down and drifts away, I was, you know, I was sad, but I was like, oh, there he goes. And when Omega opened the pot and <laughs> oh, jumped out, then I started freaking out because I was like, oh no, I've seen this movie before. Like somebody's going to dive in after her and they're going to, you know, we're going to lose one of the bad batch. Like they're going to drown, you know, saving Omega or AZ or something like that. Um, and then of course, you know, you get the thing with Crosshair and I was like, oh, what the heck is he doing? And then he shoots the line in to save him. So yeah, that was, that was a roller coaster. It's so perfect because we don't know that his gun can do that, right? It's <laughs> yeah. not its not something we've ever seen him do before. So he raises his rifle and we're like, well, there's only one thing that that could possibly mean, especially because he's raising it to Hunter's head. And then he just like tilts it and you're like, wait, what? And then the line goes out and it's like, oh, thank God. <laughs> the fact like, because Crosshair being like the least likely one to save az and obviously he was much more motivated by saving omega but but just like in that moment the last person that i thought would care about az is the one who ends up making the choice that that ultimately saves az3 so yeah they just like i said they nailed it they just they just perfectly executed this whole sequence it just went from like they just like the 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 um like like raising the stakes repeatedly throughout it was so perfect yeah they did such a good job uh do you want to wrap it up kyle yeah sure uh the next day they reached the landing platform i, I didn't realize it was a day after i guess it's daytime it oh, night it? Uh, yeah i guess it makes sense it was night and then it was day yeah uh the next day they reached the landing platform in the distance smoke billows from what used to be topoka city wrecker asks crosshair if he's coming with them I made my decision, he says. We want we want different things, Hunter replies. That doesn't mean we have to be enemies. Omega stops before getting on board. You're still their brother, Crosshair, she says. You're my brother, too. A moment later, the Marauder departs, leaving Crosshair alone. Elsewhere, Nala Say arrives at an Imperial facility. We are all admirers of your scientific talents, an administrator says. The Empire has big things planned for you. Dun, dun, dun. And that's the end of season one. Um, So, yeah, I liked where um, I, well, first of all, I I thought it was interesting that Crosshair decided to still just like stay on that platform when it's like the whole city is destroyed. Like, obviously this isn't going to be the end of Crosshair, but it's like, what, what makes you think the empire is coming back for you? Um, (laughs) I'm sure he has some sort of communication tool or something like that, that he can use. Probably. But also it's like, (laughs) they were willing to bomb you like, you know, now they're going to send their whole fleet back just to pick up one guy. But, um, yeah, obviously we're going to see him back with the Empire next season. But, uh, yeah, like I said, I mean, the fact that even though he still is loyal to the Empire and he still is at odds with the rest of the Bad Batch, the fact that he was willing to save Omega and then hand his weapon over and then, you know, it just ends with this final line of, like, Omega reminding him that they're all still brothers and that he's her brother too. Um yeah, I think again they're just they're drawing it out. They want to kind of let the drama simmer for 
I don't know, maybe another season, maybe the whole rest of the series, maybe this is just going to be the, the ongoing conflict the whole time. But um, I do think, I mean, I, I think just the way that they're planting the seeds now, I think it's pretty much inevitable that we're going to get some kind of redemptive arc for Crosshair. And I think Omega is going to be really key to that. So I'm looking forward to seeing how all that plays out. Yeah, totally. I, I, I am in agreement uh, Joe, how how you feel about it? How, yeah, how I you got feel nothing. About the you got nothing? <laughs> it it was good. I mean, I for the okay. So my biggest disappointment was not so much with the finale. It's just that I had things I was hoping we would get out of this season, and I kept mm. kind of justifying. Oh, they'll do it by the end of the season. Oh, they'll do it next season. Oh, the finale's coming up. The, the oh, it's a two parter. Okay, they'll they'll get it, get it done. Um. So I don't know. I, I I think as an episode and as a finale, it was good. But I think I'm I'm still having a hard time separating what I was hoping for and what I was expecting with what actually happened and and you know trying to look at it objectively. Because um, like I mean, you guys were talking a little bit about oh you know we'll eventually see more tech and echo development, and I just feel like we got nothing this season with them. I mean, I, I agree that they probably set up a lot, but it's called the Bad Batch. They're one, well, well they're two fifths of the Bad Batch, and I feel like nothing changed with with the two of them for most of the season. So I was really hoping, like, okay, they're faced in this situation where they have to really rely on each other to get out alive, and you know, now they're faced with, you know, crosshairs back in the mix, and like that's gonna be cool. And like the closest thing we got was Tex. Um, well, I don't agree with you, but I can I can I can understand you, but that doesn't mean I agree with you. Like that was the closest thing we got to anything with tech, and Echo is just Echo always just feels like he's just there, man. I don't know. Uh, so, I know I'm 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 not answering your question about how I feel about the finale and how how it's <laughs> ending, but like I really like that's what's on my mind. That was when once this happened and the, and the credits started rolling, that was what was on my mind. So and I and I haven't quite gotten away from it yet. Um. I'm still going to watch. Like, I loved the season. I loved, you know, it was a great episode. Um, I don't know. I mean, obviously, the, the ending was, was very... It all ties into Mandalorian with the scientists and uh, the, the Kaminoan scientists, uh, Nalase and, and the other Imperial, you know, I guess, clone scientists. Um, but I don't know. Like, I really was like... Oh man, I was hoping for more Rex. Oh man, I want to see what happened with Hauser. Oh man, all these you know X, Y, and Z. Um, but you know, I get yeah. it. Slow burn. Yeah. Next season, okay. They they really wanted to focus on this little self-contained story. Cool, but I don't know. I I did end a little disappointed, but as a whole, like the show is awesome. I love it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. That that's where I'm at right now. I'm still trying to still trying to really figure out my feelings on the whole thing. Yeah, and I get that because I I felt a little bit of that same kind of stuff myself. I mean, you know, when Joe, when you and I did the episode last week and I was like, oh, they're going to be off Camino within the first five <laughs> yeah. minutes and then they're going to join up with Rex and they're going to go attack the Star Destroyer and whatever, you know, uh, we're still going to see the clone rebellion and, and all that kind of stuff. And I mean, so, yeah, when this episode ended, it was a little bit of it. No, I wouldn't really say it was a disappointment, but it just kind of like you know, brought down those expectations, kind of like deflated it a little bit and just sort of looking back on it in retrospect, I was like, oh, okay. So obviously they're setting up this whole thing to be more of a slow burn than we maybe expected at first. Um, 
And again, I think we really have been spoiled by stuff like The Mandalorian Season 2, where there, oh, you know, yeah. every episode was a big character moment and a big reveal and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And so, um, you know, I'm okay with them with them taking their time with it. There definitely is some stuff that I wanted to see, too. And, I mean, one thing that was maybe a little bit just not really with the finale, but kind of was a little bit of a disappointment for me throughout the season is, like you said, some of that stuff like what happened to Hauser, Um you know, when like when an episode would end and kind of leave you with something to chew on and it's like, oh, OK, I want to see what happens with that moving forward. And then mm-hmm. the next episode would be something completely different. And they never yeah. really came back around to that. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Hopefully maybe a little bit more. I'm hoping for a little bit more cohesion in season two, because um, I feel like. I feel like this is kind of like a hybrid between Clone Wars and Rebels, where like Clone Wars, obviously it was it was all over the place, but at least every separate story usually had like a three or four episode story arc. So you really had time to kind of fully explore that. And then Rebels was very much like a linear story. And you still had, you know, random episodes where, you know, you'd have like Hondo one week or, or you know, you'd have the char- character cameos and the random adventures of the week. But for the most part, it was a pretty cohesive story. And then this is kind of somewhere in the middle where it's mostly all going in the same story direction, but you do have some, you know, some sort of disconnected stories like, oh, they go to Ryloth and then they go over to this place and that place. And it kind of feels like a Clone Wars style story but it's like one episode that's trying to fit into this storyline rather than it being its own like four episode arc where they could really flesh that out um, and maybe give us a little more of the answers that we were hoping for than we got in some of those just one or two episode um, stories. And so, um, yeah, hopefully, I'm just hoping that in, in season two, maybe we still get some answers and some payoffs on some of the things that we got in season one. Like I, I'm still hoping that we see Hauser again. Um but then also, you know, hopefully when they set up interesting things in those episodes, we don't have to, you know, wait as long for a, a payoff or a continuation of that. But, um, yeah, we'll see what they do with it going forward. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I, I think I think one of the reasons why we are in the position that we are in is because of how tied to the Mandalorian and uh, and, and Book of Boba Fett and all of that sort of stuff these stories might actually turn out to be. Um, So there are things that it's been sequenced already of like, okay, you guys are going to go here. Like Mando season two is going to go here. And then you guys are going to go here. And then cause, cause even between clone war season seven and Mando season two, like the, like the, the, the battle of Mandalore, right. The siege of Mandalore set up, Bo-Katan showing up in Mando season two perfectly of like, Oh yeah, we just saw that earlier this year. And I think that people forget that, that like, Hey, Hey, those happened within the same calendar year, those two moments, right. Of like Bo-Katan and Ahsoka showing up in clone wars and then Bo-Katan and Ahsoka showing up in the Mandalorian. So I think that I, I, if you sort of look at it that way, you might see that like, oh, okay, we're setting some stuff up. I don't think this is the last time we're going to see Wayland uh, b- before, you know, uh, I, 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 I don't know. It depends on when the next season of Mando is and when the next season of, of Bad Batch is, um, like what those release dates are. But um, 
I think that we're going to see Wayland in live action is what I'm saying. Like, I think that when we oh, get back okay, to yeah. Mandalorian that we're going to see that. I honestly think that the, the theory that the Luke at the end of the Mandalorian is not Luke Skywalker. It's the end, of, the end of this season make of bad batch makes me feel like that is entirely possible now at the end of mandalorian season two i was like that's so far-fetched and dumb i love it it's not gonna happen though after them ending this season with like hey look (laughs) hey hey i i uh, we we are implying all sorts of things right now um hey she's wearing the same outfit as dr pershing's it's like, uh, and then on top of that, you add, you add in the, uh, the, the, the Luke Skywalker hand, uh, on Exegol, uh, from the, uh, from, from the Darth Vader comic. And it's just like, he, oh boy, um, guys, I think, I think this might be a thing you guys, I, uh, and I'm a little bit worried about it because I don't know how much I like that, but at the same time, no, I would I would hate that. At the same time, also, yeah, that would really piss me off. Honestly, <laughs> like I like there are a lot. I of, would there love are, that I, component of it. I would love how mad it would make so many people. Because uh, no, see, like, that's because because first of all, I mean, you know, I I like the Last Jedi a lot. It's my favorite yeah. of the sequel trilogy. But obviously, there's a lot of people out there that hate that movie and think that it didn't do justice to the character of Luke Skywalker. And then when we saw him in mandalorian season two they're like finally this is the luke i wanted and then if you tell all those people that that luke skywalker wasn't even really luke skywalker they're all gonna be freaking pissed but here's the thing. good good like good i hope no, so no, no. No, get, die, but die even as somebody about it but but, but yeah, even ahead. as somebody but even as somebody who really appreciates luke in the last jedi yeah. i also love also getting to see that side of him in the mandalorian and i would also agreed. be pissed if you told me that wasn't actually agreed. him so agreed I'm not, uh, listen, I'm not saying that I think that it would be the best idea. I am saying that I would derive great satisfaction (laughs) in seeing that specific segment of the Star Wars fandom have everything they thought that, like, because, because one of the biggest complaints from, from people who didn't like Luke showing up at the end of Mandalorian was that they felt that it was pandering, right? that it was giving that that very vocal minority of the fandom exactly what they were crying about which coming off of Rise of Skywalker it just it just it felt like it was a pattern you know what i mean like it, and 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 that's it's hurtful to some fans of like hey uh, some of us are here for good stories not because we want to play with our action figures or see other people playing with our action figures um so, so it felt a little bit, it felt a little bit like Lucasfilm being like, sorry about what we did to Luke Skywalker. We're doing everything we can to fix the character for you guys. Right. I, like I would love nothing more than to see those fans who feel that that's the narrative that like that wholeheartedly believe that Dave Filoni and John Favreau are like, guys, we're really sorry about Kathleen Kennedy and her screwing up your thing. So we put Luke Skywalker back in your thing and it's awesome, right? I would love nothing more than to see their dreams dashed against the rocks. Just Damn. like, just utterly obliterated because I think that's what those fans deserve. But because it's, because that's not in service to the story. That's in service to, to, 
to the fans. And and I don't one of the reasons why I love The Last Jedi, one of the reasons why I love Bad Batch is because I when I think I know what I'm going to get from Star Wars and then it gives me that I am not satisfied by that. And I like I've said this since like season three of Clone Wars. It has always been the moments where I'm sitting down and I'm like, let's uh, Star Wars visions is coming and I am fully prepared for them to subvert every expectation that I have and like do some stuff that is totally weird and wacky. And I brought up the Rathars earlier when the first time that I saw the Rathars, I walked away from that sequence going, that didn't feel like star Wars. That felt like, that felt like that one sequence from the 2009 Star Trek movie. That's just J.J. Abrams repeating himself. And then the more that I've watched The Force Awakens, the more I'm like, oh, this is a great Star Wars sequence because it becomes part of Star Wars. It becomes part of the language because the, the language has to evolve. We have to be cool with there being new stuff, right? I think that that making it clone Luke would be a really, really <laughs> insane thing to do. It, but it would also be an acknowledgement. And Dave Filoni is so good at this. This is the thing. I don't like the legend Thrawn. Like, I, I hate the character in those books. Like, I despise that character. And when they said that he was coming in season three of Star Wars Rebels, I was like, that sucks. I hate this. <laughs> I don't want Thrawn to ruin my show. And then he showed up. And they wrote him in Star Wars Rebels the way that he was described in the Timothy Zahn stuff. Because Zahn just told us that he was a genius. He never really showed us that he was a genius. And then and then in, in Rebels, like they, they illustrated how he was able to do these things. They gave us reasons for his, his uh, uh, strategic mind and all of that stuff. And, and yeah, like the, his, the predictions that he made actually made sense. Um, he wasn't just like, I know where Luke Skywalker is going to come out of hyperspace. How? How did he know that? He didn't know that. Uh, he knew that because it's Timothy Zahn. The character is named Thrawn. If you don't see that, I, I can't help you. I can't help you. But <laughs> anyways, like, yeah, it, that, it, that is absolutely just somebody writing their their Mary Sue into uh, uh, in, into their fan fiction um, in, in the literal sense of the of the word Mary Sue the actual definition of it um in any case i would love to see what dave filoni and john favreau think that story should be like the heir to the empire because we're bringing back thrawn in that time period we've set up wayland and mount tantis in bad batch now all the cloning stuff that we've seen in everything it's like this cannot be for nothing um whether it's Luke, I don't know, like, like whether that Luke is Luke or whether we're setting up Joris Sabaoth or Kabaoth or however you say his name. I don't know. It's dumb. It's again, Timothy Zahn is a terrible writer. I, I know that people get mad at me when I say stuff like that, but I don't <laughs> care because I firmly believe it. He's just like, I know what sounds like a science fiction. If I just put consonants together that don't make sense. Um, but I know how to, how to pronounce it. And then, and then, and then he, they were like, Hey, can you write more backstory for Thrawn? And they were, and he was like, yes, his actual name is Mr. Mr. Mix's Piddleick Thrawn. And you're like, 
okay i guess so i all right um whatever uh, he's so bad he's so bad i tried so hard to read that one the one that's like the it's it's in the two timelines it's in the rebels timeline and the clone wars timeline oh, okay. it jumps back and forth that it was so bad it was such a boring book and i was listening to the audiobook which means that i can be doing other things while i'm listening and i made it halfway through and i was like padme and these stupid fishermen guys in this like work camp facility. I don't care about any of this. This is so boring. <laughs> Why are we spending another three chapters with these characters when Darth Vader and Thrawn are right there? Anyways, I, I because yeah. it's on Batu, Mike. Yeah, 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 oh yeah. man. Um, all of that to say that I like those awful Star Wars fans who think that Dave Filoni is secretly like like skunk worksing star Wars stories underneath. I, I <laughs> Kathleen Kennedy's nose. I, <laughs> I'm sorry. I, you guys may have just heard me say a swear word. I hope that I muttered that enough that it didn't actually come through, but it makes me so mad when I think about the people who literally, who genuinely think that that's even possible that like Kathleen Kennedy doesn't know what Dave Filoni is doing. <laughs> he's he's sneaking these stories past her. It's like she's the executive producer of his television shows. That's his boss. <laughs> she's the one who decided that he gets to make these stories. <laughs> you you have her to thank for the Mandalorian, you absolute donuts. I just it, <laughs> Oh, it's so frustrating. I've heard anyone before. I kind of like it. I it's a it's a it's a that's a Gordon Ramsayism. I oh, okay, I, like I, it. I like those dum dums. I absolutely trust Dave Filoni, but I absolutely trust Dave Filoni because I know that in truth, he is just a phenomenal storyteller. Uh, and and if he's weaving a tapestry with the story group that is bringing all of that stuff into logical can like he's basically rewriting if this is all true if everything that i'm saying is coming to pass he is rewriting the 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 thron trilogy into like an actual good story like into the story that i think that most people remember it being because I think nostalgia, rose-tinted glasses warp those things over time. Um, and it's like, if you went back, and if you compared it to some of the other exceptional Star Wars novels that have been written since then, I, I, I think that you would literally look at it and go like, okay, these are good. But like, the Revenge of the Sith novelization is a lot better. It's a lot, that's a much better book. Uh, the Shatterpoint, also Matthew Stover, is a much better book. I don't understand why Matthew Stover is not still writing Star Wars stories, but whatever. Uh, uh, it does, that doesn't make any sense to me. But like, yeah, like like the the best of the Star Wars novels, I I way overshadow anything that Timothy Zahn has written. But that's a I know that that's an outlier opinion. Um, I have ranted for long enough. Would anybody like to raise a counterpoint or tell me that I'm an idiot? I mean, I'll tell you you're an idiot, but it has nothing to do with what you just okay, said. Okay, that's fair. I just, <laughs> that's I just fair. Like there's lots of yeah. sometimes. <laughs> there's, there's lots of reasons why I'm an idiot. <laughs> no, I think I think that's that's all fair. 
I, you know, I don't, I don't think that it's fair. So I, I appreciate you saying that, that, that it's fair. I think that I'm a little <laughs> bit of a nut job when it comes to that stuff, but we all are. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I do like that idea of them because they've been doing this pretty much since Thrawn came back, right? Like taking elements from, well, mm-hmm. and they've been doing this even since, since Clone Wars too, taking yeah. elements from the Legends canon yeah. and, and weaving it into the current canon and, and, uh, you know, recontextualizing those stories, but keeping the parts of them that people really love. Um, I mean, doing it with like Ventress's backstory in Clone yeah. Wars and bringing in the Republic commandos and then, yeah, with, with <laughs> there, Thrawn and all that stuff. There so. isn't an instance of it so far that isn't better than the source material that it drew from. I like that. Like, and that, and that's subjective. That's totally subjective. That's my opinion. But like, that's where I sit is that like all of those instances that you just, that you've named, um, the bad batch being a really great example of like how much have we all wanted a republic commando series oh my right? god mm-hmm. what Please. is bad batch it's the republic commando series <laughs> that's exactly yeah. what it is but it but like you said it's it's recontextualized and they've changed it and it's become its own thing but in my opinion it's i think it's a bit better it's it certainly doesn't get bogged down in the Klingon aspect of like let's let's explore Mandalorian as a language and a culture and stuff like that, sometimes at the expense of the story. That that stuff is cool, but all that Karen Travis stuff for me is like I always felt like we were getting a little bit, like I said, bogged down in like creating a fake language. It it, it always like I, I I just said, it always felt to me like it like like Klingon, you know like like and mm-hmm. i love star trek so so don't get me wrong on this i'm not dogging on star trek but it's like that part of the star trek fandom that i'm not a huge fan of that that pretends like it's real you know not that it's a framing device to tell really interesting science fiction stories but that it's a it's a living breathing world and like if that's where you derive enjoyment from that franchise, then like more power to you. It's just not for me. So when she started doing that with the Mandalorians, I was like, okay, it's cool that you're, that you're doing this. But also once, once George Lucas was like, that's not Mandalore. I was not upset. I was like, okay, whatever. (laughs) And then the, and then perfect example, the, all of that stuff is retconned out because we learned that what George envisioned Mandalore as, and that culminates in the siege of Mandalore and the story with Satine and Obi-Wan and Mm -hmm. Darth Maul and Crimson Dawn eventually, right? Like all comes out of that, which is so much richer than the stuff that Karen Travis wrote, which was, which was good. It's good. I think that the the Republic Commando novels are actually some of the better stuff that's been written over over the years. But I do think that the stuff that Dave Filoni took from that and 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 his teams like wove into new stories is much better than and than the sum total of of the Republic Commando stories. And then getting to Bad Batch and it's like, well, th- this is like they're elite clone troopers, each with a different personality. It just they just took that concept and just cranked it up a little bit to the point where it's like, see Wrecker's bigger than the rest of them. Right. Um, they, they made it a little bit more visually clear 
uh, than uh, than the Republic Commando video game did, where <laughs> it was like they have different colors and voices. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it was a little bit more like they all have the same voice, but different ones, <laughs> different same voices, you guys. Because D. Bradley Baker is a genius and deserves every single Emmy, all of the Emmys, every category. I don't care. I know that that doesn't make any sense, but but you give them the costume category, like Emmy, like every that, single best, Emmy. Di- best director for a comedy musical series. D. Bradley Baker. D. Bradley Baker, <laughs> because because you know what? I believe that he could. He could be the best director of a musical or comedy series because uh, he's just that good. He's that amazing. He's convinced me of that by playing f- five, six, th- a, a thousand different characters on this show that are all the same guy, but completely different guys. And we talk about this show every week and, 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 you know, like it's not as if we stop once the mics are off. Um <laughs> And and we talk. We, I I talk about D. I've I have had face to face conversations with D. Bradley Baker. I have had him switch from doing Captain Rex to uh, uh, Appa <laughs> to Momo to uh, man. What's what's one of the other ones that he did? I can't remember. It, he, he he at Star Wars Celebration in in 2010. I I. I we were talking to him after one of the panels and, and he was just like, he was just going through everything. And just like, it was cause we was like, Oh man, I love you in this. I love you in this. I love you in this. You're so talented. And he was like, Oh yeah, it's great. I love doing that. And then just like did everything for us because <laughs> he just, he's just like, Hey, watch this. Um, yeah. Voice actors love doing that. Yeah. Like, like, so what I'm saying is that like, I have been present like, close enough to touch his face while he is doing it. And yet his performance in bad batch is so good that I often forget that he is all of them. That- yeah. I mean, honestly, I like the best compliment I can give is that he does his, such a good job embodying and distinguishing all of those characters that when I'm watching it, I don't even think about the fact yeah. that it's the same voice. And, and I think he gets to play with that a bit more in Bad Batch and make those characters a bit more different oh, than he sure. did in Clone Wars. Because yeah. obviously he's fantastic in Clone Wars too, but like, you know, when you're watching Clone Wars, you realize that like Rex and Cody have the same voice, but you're like, oh, it's cool that they're different enough that I can pick up on like one's Rex and one's Cody, even though they have the same voice. But like, I don't even think about with, with Bad Batch, the fact that they all have the same voice. I'm just like, that's Hunter, that's Crosshair, that's Wrecker, that's Tech, that's Echo. I mean, really, the only time I maybe think about it is when Echo talks, and I'm like, oh, man, I forget how much he sounds like Rex and the rest of the other yeah. clones that we're mm-hmm. used to. Yeah. Um, whereas the rest of them just sound like, you know, their own individual characters, so. But but even, even his performance as Rex in Bad Batch is like, there's like, he, he, because he, he's bridging the gap between his performance from the Clone Wars and his performance from Rebels, right? And so... Mm-hmm when we see him and, and, and I think especially because of the position that Rex is in, in this time period now. So it was like some of his motivation and intonation has changed because he's, he's becoming a different character. Right. But it's like, there's like a, a gruffer component to Rex now than there was before the events of, of the, the series finale of Clone Wars that like, that absolutely changed him forever. Right. Um, and it just, like it's it is stuff like that that makes me like just 
in awe because like doing the silly voices and 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 animal sounds and stuff like that it's like oh those are neat tricks right that's really cool he's he's he is a master of his instrument like which is his voice right and like he's at the top of his game for sure when it comes to that mimicry and and like the weird sounds and the trills and stuff that he can do that's all really really cool neat stuff those are cool party tricks the the performance stuff that he did over the course of this season and and like i said that subtlety of like the world weariness of captain rex a character that we know so well from seven seasons of clone wars as well as you know three seasons of star wars rebels i it's like i i'm just like i'm in awe of that because it's so subtle but it's also abundantly clear like it just like it it comes across so clearly in his performance of that character who is the same guy as these other five guys that he's talking to uh you know like it's just it it uh yeah it's it's ridiculous it's absurd that one person is that talented and and i think for a long time with clone wars it was like oh man look at uh, james arnold taylor look at uh 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 uh, Matt Lanter because they're like they're the main guys right like they're mm. they're they're front and center and it was like oh yeah and isn't it cool how D does all of the clones yeah that's really cool that's really neat but now because he's he's the guy all five of them <laughs> right it's like all of a sudden he's getting the spotlight that 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 I feel like he he maybe should have been getting the whole time um because now he really gets to flex those muscles and and that's just that is the end of me just showering d bradley baker with praise uh, <laughs> he deserves the, it though come on the other does, the yeah. other guy that nips at his heels i think is is steven stanton and 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 cory burton those those two guys are also so ridiculously talented because like steven stanton has played characters over the course of of all of the star wars animation that you're like because I feel like with D, when he plays all these different characters, part of my ear always goes like, oh, cool, that's D. And same with James Arnold Taylor. I'll always be mm-hmm. like, I can always pick out James. And that's not like that's not saying anything against him. It's just that, like, I think that there's a there's a there's a tone to his voice that they is just so distinct that even when he does voice matches for like, you know, uh, Marty McFly or something like that, it's like, he does such a good job of performing the character, but I can always tell that it's James, but Steven Stanton will like disappear. And Corey Burton is the same where it's like, they'll disappear. And it's like, and then you'll get to the end of the episode and you'll see like, Oh, Corey Burton was in this one. <laughs> I didn't realize yeah, that he was in this yeah. one. Um, well, and I think with those, it's because like the characters that they're most known for are so different from like their usual voice, yeah, yeah. you know, like, and again, not, you know, not throwing any shade or anything. Cause I think James Arnold Taylor also is a fantastic voice actor and I, I love all his performances, yeah, but like know, when he does Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like, but, but when he does Obi-Wan, it's kind of just him doing, you know, a British accent and kind of yeah. trying to sound like you know, like you and McGregor, but it's like his, it, it's his normal, like voice tone. His, kind of. his Obi-Wan Whereas, is his own Obi-Wan. It's not. Yeah. But, but I mean like, like yeah. these, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm just saying like, it's, is, it, is his own thing as well. Right. It's not a Timur Morrison yeah. impression. It's just like, it's a, it's, it's like, we're talking about the stuff with the stories that Dave tells us. Like it's the spirit of the characters. That's more important than right. the accuracy, I guess. 
Um, right. And yeah, I'm, I'm not saying he does just a, a copycat job yeah. or anything like that, but I'm just saying like it, it sounds it's in the same range as like his normal voice. Yeah. Whereas like Corey Burton doing Zero the Hut and Cad Bane and Count Dooku, you yeah. listen to those three and it's like, I have no idea what this dude actually sounds like. <laughs> yeah, that's the, that's the truth of it, right? I don't know what Corey Burton sounds like, even though like I have admired him for many years now and and know his name when people say it, like I know exactly who we're talking about. Um, but yeah, I don't think, I don't know that I've ever heard him speak. <laughs> not as one of those characters that's totally true uh awesome any final thoughts before we wrap up the recap no i did my complaining i'm i'm good okay you're good yeah i think i'm good i i mean and again i had some of those same issues that you did joe with kind of feeling like they they left us hanging in some areas but as far as the finale itself i thought it was good and i thought it was yeah uh, yeah. i'm excited a good way to sort of wrap up with these characters and again didn't give us maybe the resolution that we thought we were going to get with crosshair and all that but obviously setting that up for a more prolonged Mm. uh conflict and so i'm looking forward to seeing just means that there's there's just there's more juice to squeeze from that orange that's the that's the that's the bright side of that right is like oh i was really hoping for for finality in that story it's like yeah but but we're not done ringing that one out so like like that's the good side is like that stuff that we love this season more of it next year yeah <laughs> so. no exactly and and that's the thing i wasn't necessarily disappointed by it it's yeah. just like oh i was i was expecting to get it and then when we didn't yeah. i was like oh okay so this is something different than we were than we thought we were gonna get but i'm okay with expectation that, so. is the thief of joy that's uh <laughs> that's, uh, yeah. that's, a, that's a very uh, well-known saying for a reason um Sounds yeah like a clone worth fortune cookie it absolutely does i mm. i it's totally something that dave filoni would would quote so um i think actually maybe he has I, yeah, that's what, and that's one of the reasons why I've taken on that, that moniker of like, what do I want to see next? I just surprise me. Just surprise me. Um, cool. Awesome. I, well, that, that's it for the recap. I, uh, Kylie, you're not going to be joining us for the mailbag. Uh, but I, 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 so, so thanks. Thank you for your dutiful presence this season. Yay, Um, Kyle. Oh, well, thank you guys for having me. It's been a blast. Absolutely. All right, cool. Well, let's uh, let's let's jump into the mailbag then. Woo! This is Come in. Sir, we've received a transmission from someone using our subspace frequency, Fulcrum. Incoming transmission from the Rebel cells, Fulcrum mailbag. All right, I posted on social media uh, 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 yesterday. I guess it was, it was it was a short time period for people to comment, but we got a lot. Uh, what a finale. Who is your Bad Batch MVP for season one? Mm. And why is it AZ3? Because <laughs> uh, that's my, that I'll just be, be on Front Street. It's absolutely AZ3. Our heroes do not make it out of the finale without AZ3. As a matter of fact, uh, AZ3 was very important in in the, the first episode of the season as well. Um but yeah, uh, and and of course, AZ three. We can't forget his contribution in uh, in in season six of the Clone Wars as well. So uh, so glad that he's still around. So glad that uh, that that uh, that we're gonna see him more in season two. So I really hope that he's just like a regular staple. They don't just leave him on the ship all the time. Uh, anyways, over on Facebook, uh, Ariel Phillip 
uh, uh, commented and said, I'll say the hero was Crosshair. He saved AZ. That's a fair point. Uh, And then he commented afterwards again, actually, Omega has been my MVP. Brave, selfless, caring, (laughs) and uh, gave my favorite line of the show, which I'm glad they touched upon the idea of brothers. Uh, They're still your brothers, Crosshair. You're my brother, too. Um, A solid point there. It's still AZ3. That's fine. Uh, And then uh, Renee Garcia commented, uh, I got strangely emotional when AZ started to sink in the water. There's nothing strange about it. He's lovable. He's adorable. (laughs) He's a hero in his own right. Didn't deserve to go out that way. And he didn't because the writers of this show know what they're doing. They're smart. Uh, Over on Instagram, uh, Evan Sauce commented, the finale was great. I really enjoyed how they started to redeem Crosshair without killing him off. Uh, I'm excited to see what happens in season two. And then uh, Alexandrina underscore ATK commented, I love AZ and the MVP is definitely Crosshair. (laughs) It was a really good first season. It certainly hasn't dethroned the Clone Wars, but it was good. Uh, Joe, who's your MVP for the season? Hauser. Hauser? Hauser. That's a good one. Because, I mean, think about it. Like, obviously, you know, the Bad Batch are jumping ship when they see the writing on the wall, all that stuff. But Hauser was really in the thick of it. And he... Yeah. How hard hard is it to do the right thing when you're the only person who knows the right thing and everybody else is against you? You know, it's, it's so much easier when you have other people, when you look to your right, look to your left, and you're like... This is crazy, right? Like this, this we should be doing something else, right? But when yeah. you're the only person and you have to stand up to the people that you work with every day or, or whoever, uh, that's scary. That takes a lot of guts, and yeah. the fact that he not only did that, he and his and and it was while his friends were were like pissed at him and and like felt betrayed by him and like their lives were in danger. Like this, I don't know what it was, man. I just Hauser really uh, hit it home for me. I really. I really respect anybody who is going to stick by their their uh, their beliefs, even yeah. when they think everybody else is wrong. Um, that's a hard thing to do. And he convinced a bunch of other people to come with him. That that's how how passionate he was about doing the right thing. Once he decided that's what he was going to do. Yeah. So I don't know, man. Hauser, he's he's my guy. Yeah, I feel you on that. Hauser is definitely a standout from the season. I don't think we've seen the last of him. I don't think that you set up a I hope not. Like yeah, that. he just dies off screen. Yeah, and then <laughs> just kill him off screen. Uh, yeah, I think I I, I I think there's something there uh, at mm. some point. But uh, yeah, man, Hauser, what a great character. And also, is, he, is Hauser the sexiest clone? Oh, yeah. I think he is. He's- He's, he he's clone waifu, or I guess husbando, right? I yeah, husbando. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, kind of surprised nobody said Sid as MVP. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, Sid was definitely... I think I think because we're so far removed from a Sid story mm. at this point. Which right? is also kind of weird weeks. that we just haven't seen Sid in a while and no Sid in the finale episodes. And Yeah. Very strange. I mean, I'm sure we're going to see plenty more of Sid next season. Sure. So. Um, awesome. Well, you know what? I think we did it. Oh man. I think we did it. I think that's the end of the season. I think here, wow. we, here we are. We've, we've arrived. 
at the end of the season. I, I, what an amazing, surprising, I just, like gift. Right? <laughs> this has been it really was. I, yeah, I can't. I mean, I'm so grateful that I got the opportunity to talk to Jennifer Corbett and Brad Rao on that roundtable, um, and and tell them I uh, digital face to face. Um, the next best thing to telling them at a Star Wars celebration, I, <laughs> I, how much I've enjoyed the stories that they've told and, uh, uh, and, and what a surprise it's been, but like in, in, in the best way possible. I mean, like the consistency from week to week, like what's, what's the weakest episode in the season? The, the, uh, infested, I guess maybe. Yeah. The spice for sure. Um, still not a bad episode. Not, not, not definitely not a sunny day in the void, you know, which like, oh man, it to me also having out. Ben Diskin in it, <laughs> who is AZ. Yeah. I, he was the Pitroid in sunny day in the void. Oh yeah. Was he? I, that's awesome. Um, yeah, like I, that, that like that, that it's, it, that stands out so much to me in, in the whole run of clone wars as as my least favorite episode and like i get it i totally understand that like like one of the things that george was doing with clone wars was pushing star wars in different directions and i appreciate that it was not to my taste (laughs) and uh that whole arc uh, with the exception of gregor being awesome Mm -hmm. at the very end of it i was gonna Uh, say like I know, I know. Watch your mouth, but you it's, you, you it's took so care of tricky. It. It's so it. tricky because it's four <laughs> episodes and three of those episodes are rough going. Yeah. Um that first episode has so much promise where they're like, "Oh, let's outfit these droids with all these cool James Bond things." And you're like, "Awesome. We're we're gearing up the droid." And then I I yeah, the next two episodes are just I don't know. I don't know, man. Meber Gascano. <laughs> I, I just well you were singing Steven Stanton's praise earlier that's that's Can't my conflict <laughs> that's my conflict right because because Steven Stanton earlier in the Clone Wars uh plays um who's the what's the bounty hunter guy that he plays I I I in the in the 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 Reiko Hardeen arc um uh oh man I can remember Reiko Hardeen but I can't oh, remember his character's name right now. no Asi Sobek is James Little Taylor. Who's the other one? Oh, I know who you mean. It's, uh, it's on the tip of my tongue, and that's always the worst because it's like oh. right there, and I can see his face and I can hear his voice because he's Christopher Walken, right? It's it's yeah. one of those. I remember talking to Stephen Stanton about that one, and it being one of those instances where it's like sometimes went to find a character's voice, you oh. do an impression, and you just do a bad impression. And then you've come up with your own character. I don't remember if he was talking about that character or he was talking about, maybe he was talking about Mieber Gascon because Mieber Gascon is um, Walter Matthau, right? Like that, that was, that's his, that's who he's doing. He's doing a bad Walter Matthau impression. That might've been the conversation that we had with him because we talked to him about both of those, I think back in the day. Are, um, are you ready for it? You're going to yeah. kick yourself. Moralo Eval. 
Mahalo, Yvonne. There you go. It's right there. <laughs> I I had all of those L's and the V. I know, man. I, know. I had them. I just didn't. Rem- I just couldn't put them in the right order. It's like it's like Scrabble tiles, right? It's like, what am I supposed <laughs> to spell with this? I Moralo Evolve. Yeah. Um. Yeah, because he crushed it as Moralo Evolve with mm-hmm. that. Like again, like like one of the things that Steven Stanton does so well is like, it's like, you know, he's doing an impression. Like he's, he's playing this character as if they're, as if it's an actor doing a voice. Mm. Right. And he just does such a good job of that with, with his characters. Um, And that was one. I mean, he he did a good job as Gascon. It's just the character sucks. That's what I'm saying. That's (laughs) what I'm saying. We literally, you can go back and you can listen to the episode of Frontlines because I think it's actually, I think it might actually be part of our um, sunny day in the void review where I have such mm-hmm. a hard time because we got the, like, like, cause, cause Matt got him on the show after that episode, it was either like for sunny day in the void or the next episode. But mm-hmm. we talked to him like really close after. And I was obviously very critical of the episode. And so you can let, you can hear me like equivocating in the interview of like, <laughs> the thing that frustrated me is that I liked the characters and I, but I didn't like the scenario that they were put in. Mm. I didn't like seeing me. Yeah. I was uncomfortable with like his weird, like, just like, I just want to die now. Like I just, and, and then, and Dave Filoni talked about it later as like, like, uh, like they were, it was like, they looked at those episodes as like an, as that one specifically a sunny day in the void as uh, as like an art piece, right? Like they, they looked at it from a very different perspective than they would normally tell a Clone Wars story. And that was the whole point of the Clone Wars. That's what George wanted to do. He wanted to, to create this series in which they could push the envelope of what's a Star Wars story, right? So I appreciate all of that as an artist. I will never watch that episode ever again. <laughs> yeah. And like, I, I usually skip all three, but Greg or whatever you watch. Yeah. And, and, uh, and, and I, it's, and I remember saying to Steven Stanton in that, in that interview, in that conversation with him of like, you, like you were great. And I love the character of Mieber Gascon and that, and I think that's why I have such a negative reaction to the episode is because of how much I enjoyed him in the previous episodes Right, because that is that's the third one in that arc, right? Sunny Day in the uh, Void is is it or is it the second one? I feel like Gregor is the third one. I think that's the second one. Yeah, and and it was it's just like yeah, I think you're right. I and it was like oh, like because the first episode sets it up as such a fun adventure with these kooky zany characters, and it's like oh, cool, we're gonna get like one of the Jar Jar type episodes with these guys. And then the next episode is not a Jar Jar type episode. It's like this weird existential. You know what? The more I talk about it, the more I feel like maybe actually I need to go back and watch it. Maybe I do. Maybe I need to confront that demon. And and because it's now been God, because that's season five. So it's been. Yes. Yeah, it's been a minute. It's been it's been nine years, <laughs> is that right? Does that make sense? Uh, uh, yeah, probably. Yeah, it's, yeah be. it's been a long time since I've watched a sunny day in the void. Wow. Maybe I need to watch a sunny day in the void because I'm a different person now than I was then, and maybe now 
especially after the year that we've had, maybe I can appreciate the, not that I didn't appreciate the performance. Maybe I can appreciate the purpose of putting the character in that position and therefore appreciate the performance even more. Um, as, as, as the Michael of, of, uh, 2021 as a 36 year old <laughs> with two kids who can maybe understand the bleakness and, and the, uh, submission to suffering that that episode is about. <laughs> it's such a weird story. It's such a, for a kid's show, it is very weird. It's very weird to take it there of him just like death would be preferable to existence in this moment because that's what that one's about right that's what that's the that's the emotion that he expresses i yeah man meber gascon where is meber gascon is he safe don't i don't know don't put that question out into the universe i don't want him showing up in bad bad i'm going to i, don't want it to I am I'm I'm doing my wax on, rubbing my head. You can hear that, right? A little Shut bit your of face. theater I don't of the mind. Hear it. I'm just I'm I'm cre- I just hit the mic. Sorry, guys. I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> just put that energy in my no. hands right now. No, and I'm gonna open them like a butterfly. No, out into the out Swallow into the it. universe. Swallow it and never fart again. That's it. <laughs> That's it. No. It's too late. It's gone. <laughs> it's out there. I swear, if this happens, I'm going to flip out on you. <laughs> what a way to end the first season of Star Wars The Bad Batch than by literally summoning the spirit of Mieber Gascon. Steven never Stanton, wherever you. you are. Steven Stanton's sitting right now. He's, 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 he's listening to us right it's now. It's 9.56 at night. Uh, if he's on the West Coast, I'm pretty sure he's 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 in California. If he if he's there right now, um, and I, whatever he's 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 sitting down in his in his reading chair and he's got a good book, and he's and he's got his glasses are just like on the tip of his nose. I can see him, <laughs> I can see him, I can see his face, and he up. just like he just like perked up and just like looked and was like, did somebody did somebody just say my name? <laughs> and you know what, Stephen, I did. I did say your name. We it's need like you. when when More Leia there. is on the Falcon and senses Luke. <laughs> yeah, the end of Empire. Like that's hundred percent. hundred percent. Oh God, uh, I hate it. I'm gonna yeah. be so dude. I'm gonna be so mad at you. If <laughs> Jennifer yeah. Corbett just like just like <laughs> dropped her teacup. It's like like shattered, and she's like, Bieber Gascon, Gascon, <laughs> like Rosebud, <laughs> but Gascon. <laughs> and she's just she's just run furiously over to her laptop and she's just typing she's just typing on her laptop it's i need it needs to happen dave uh, i figured it out <laughs> i figured it out dave <laughs> what if meber gascon is the key to everything <laughs> instead of jar jar oh my god <laughs> no that's the that's the thing is that is that darth jar jar is the is the plight Right, like that's the that's the that's the sickness, mm. but Mieber but Gascon is the he is the, the vaccine. Cure. He's the cure. <laughs> He's the cure. Oh my! We've God. never needed Mieber Gascon more than we have in this moment. Mike, I've never <laughs> wanted an episode to end more than right now. <laughs> 
Thank you, everybody, for listening to our recaps all season long. Uh, we hope that you have enjoyed them. Look, if you're here, if you've been here all season, then I then I, I can only assume that you have or you're hate listening. But you know what? The download numbers don't care. So hate listen on. Uh, I said some real bad stuff about Timothy's on at the end of the recap this week. Um, yeah, good mad. thing it's the last episode of this for now. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm. I'm pretty sure if I remember correctly, I told all of the 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 uh, TLJ haters to die angry. I <laughs> I think cool. Kyle might have talked over me, so maybe you guys didn't hear that, but I stand by it. <laughs> I so I'll just reiterate it here. Uh, so yeah, if you're hate listening, c- continue, please. Um, I, but, but, but if you're not, if you are one of the people who has enjoyed our conversations, our attempts at comedy over the course of this season, <laughs> I, I, and, and, uh, and, 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 you know, what I try and pass off as insight. Um, I was right about crosshair. I, it, so you were, you were, it is, it's worth saying again, you were very right about crosshair. Yeah. It, that was a very out of your butthole early prediction and yeah. you nailed it was like right on the money man you uh, even you uh, the wording was even real close very close to what you had said yeah i wanted a little bit more fire i think like like that 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 was like like if i were telling the story i would have had him lose it a little bit more mm-hmm. um just like like sort of i uh, i have the emotion come through a little bit more they kept him more reserved it's fine it's a choice. Both are correct. I uh, so I think like when, when I the stuff that I had said uh, when I made my prediction was more in like the the I I was sort of more picturing them like in more of like a Mustafar Anakin and Obi Wan moment. Mm, okay. I I like the two of them sort of like actually if I'm being honest, Point Break. <laughs> that's that's Dude, like I just watched that for the first time like a week. Oh ago. really? Yeah, ne- like there's another one I've never seen before, and I just watched it. Yeah, for sure. Like, like, uh, like, uh, I, like a Point Break sort of like screaming at each other in the rain of like, mm-hmm. like, like, don't do this. No, I have to do this, sort of thing. <laughs> um, look, there's still. Time. I mean, they were That's trapped the, underwater. Pretty close. Delicious. That's this is this is I I know that you this was your guys's sort of criticism of it, but for me, it's like. It's the fact that like there's more meal to savor. Oh my god, it's so exciting. We have to wait so long. There's so, but there's so. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like I, I want there to be more, and like yeah. they have to set these things up now. Like I get it, but like yeah. I don't know. I think they were. It, it was really just more the the sense that like I felt like my. I mean, I complained ad nauseum, ad nauseum about it, but I really just wanted crosshair and or echo to have a moment of change or growth or whatever. And it just, yeah, it felt like we never quite got there yet. Totally. totally. Um, I, it, it'll come in season two for sure. I, I, it's going to be in, in the Gascon episode. It'll so be I'm going to have to watch Gascon it. Episode, yeah. <laughs> to see it happen. Joe, I'll, I'll watch it first. I'll be like, Joe, I got bad news for you. Good, good <laughs> news and bad news. It's a good news and bad news kind of day. I, I, the, the, the good news. So the bad news right now, is that we have around a year probably to wait for new episodes of the Bad Batch. I'm I'm mm-hmm. gonna like let's let's hope right now for for May the fourth, twenty twenty two, 
we get season two of Bad Batch. I, but but who knows? Maybe it's going to be longer. Maybe it'll be shorter. I don't know. The good news is that between now and then, we know for sure we've got Star Wars Visions in about a month. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Uh, and then we've got the Book of Boba Fett at the end Whew. of the year. Which gives me tinglys just thinking yeah, about it. Yeah, I can't wait for that. Uh, and uh, and there's a very high likelihood that we've got Obi-Wan Kenobi between... Yeah, that just wrapped. Yeah, filming. between Book of Boba Fett and, uh, and, and um, uh, Bad Batch Season 2. So, and I don't think Andor is done yet, so... Do we think we might get Kenobi before we get... And, like, because they're filming in, what is the volume, like, how much yeah. effects works do they really need to add? It's bingo. I think so like, Andor here's, here's, probably needs a lot of work. Book of Boba Fett we're getting in December. We know it's December. We don't know when in right. December, but we know it's December. Book That's of crazy Boba Fett, that we might I don't, Kenobi first. I don't know that we've gotten a number of episodes, but let's say it's 10 episodes. That will take us December through January into February. Mm. Kenobi is six episodes, I think they've said, right? Yes. I think. Kenobi yeah. six, yes. So six episodes. Let's reverse engineer from May the 4th. From May the fourth, and we go we go backwards six weeks. That's through April, middle of March. Kenobi, middle of March. Bad Batch, May the fourth. Wow, that's, that's my guess right now. We'll wait and see what they announce when they announce it. They've played all this stuff so close to the vest, like they announce these things so late in the day. But it's because they don't like they they can they don't have to have a long lead up in this stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like. We just found out that Hawkeye is what November. I uh, I like if we look at the MCU stuff the way that Disney Plus has announced that stuff. We don't know when when Miss Marvel is coming out. It's supposed to be this year. Maybe it's this year. Maybe it's been pushed to next. Oh, year. Oh, it is. Know. I thought it was next year. No, it, it was originally. It was supposed to be this cool. year. The, the pandemic has kind of messed up everything. Yeah. Ongoing, right? Uh, it continues to mess things up. So. So who knows what the situation is there, but I, uh, but yeah, like they, they wait until pretty late in the day to, to announce some of this stuff. So uh, we might not know when Kenobi is starting until book of Boba Fett is ending, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's my guess. And then I, and then I'm guessing that Andor is September of next year. And then Mando season three is December of next year. Cause they have said that Mando season three is 2022. But okay, but yeah, it, it and 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 I I I think maybe it was Carl Weathers, or uh, yeah, I think it was Carl Weathers. I saw a tweet today that said that they're they're gearing up to start shooting, so that timeline makes sense. If they start shooting in September, I uh, and uh, yeah, it'll be like about a year later we'll get maybe. No, you know, we'll get Andor before we get season three of Mando because Andor is already in progress. So, mm-hmm. but Andor's Andor's more episodes. Andor is is uh, sounding yeah, like big. It, it's a yeah. yeah, like it's like a 
by by today's standard like a full season almost like wow we are getting we're probably we probably really are getting kenobi first that's crazy like 16 episodes or something like that kenobi is more is gonna be more like uh 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 like one of the mcu Mm -hmm. series was more more like a uh what's it called Uh, falcon and winter soldier sure where it's like kenobi is a long movie it's a six-part movie yeah not not a tv series like an episodic like mandalorian i think god i I can't wait for that show people should 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 measure their expectations thusly that uh that that it'll be a little bit more of like a continuous i I don't care i just want to see more you and mcgregor oh wait look that's what i want i don't care what happens on the show I, I, I genuinely, I just want more yeah. Obi Wan Kenobi. You it it can it. be, it can be him just doing his grocery shopping, <laughs> doing and it's like he just goes into, <laughs> and, and they're like, they're like, hey, we're giving you guys what you want. The Kenobi novelization. Annalene is in this show, and it's literally like, he, yeah, because he goes to the general store, and she's just behind the counter, and she's like, uh, oh, I would lose my mind. It'll be I twelve credits book. for your power converters. I I don't know how that seems low. Five hundred credits for power converters is that yeah, high? I don't probably. know what credits are worth. It's there's well, I have nothing to base that on. Uh, Republic credits are no good here. I what what I, was the currency on Tatooine? Because it wasn't Republic credits. What was uh? How are you gonna pay for this? Does he ever say? No, he. The, I don't think they even say credits. I think that Obi Wan just says. Because Han says it's going to cost you what, fifteen, or something like yeah. that, and 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 then Luke is like, "What? That's ridiculous. We could almost buy our own ship for that." And then and then Obi Wan is like, "We'll give you two now, and fifteen when we get to Alderaan." And uh, then he's like, 17 You guys are desperate, but I'll take your deal, right?" That's that's P- sort of P E G G A T. Peg it, I guess. Okay. Doesn't say how to pronounce it. But. That's some that's some Knights of the Old Republic nonsense. I guarantee it. What's the what's the what's the source on that? That's some source. that's uh, that's see. some Star West Wars. End games nonsense. Star Wars, absolutely everything you need to know. First mentioned. Let's see when that was. That was 2015, September 2015. So was this Disney Star Wars? Oh wow! Looks, yes, this is Disney Star Wars because it was in Journey to Star Wars: The Force Awakens. Was one of those books. Gotcha. There we go. There we go. We. I, the... I'm with you though. That that did sound very Kotor. Yeah, that's... <laughs> it really did. Answer, answering the questions, no one is asking. What is the currency on Tatooine? Uh... This is important. This is important. <laughs> I need to know these things to enjoy Star Wars. Now like, I'm gonna. I can't I'm... like Star Wars if I don't know all these things. I'm gonna laugh if in <laughs> uh, if in the Kenobi series he goes to pay for something with Republic credits. And, oh man! And there's one. What if Watto is in the Kenobi series? And he's oh, like, he's like, what's with you, Jedi, in Republic credits? God, <laughs> I would love that. Uh, what if I've also spoken that into existence? I mean, it makes oh, that me I'm happy. okay with. It fills that me I'm with okay joy, with, man. But I know that if we, a- if that's the other side of the coin, yeah. if I have to deal with Gas Gascon, I want Watto. I'm yeah. okay with this. I That's mean, an wa- even trade off to me. I'll take it. Watto absolutely deserves to show up in Bad Batch. Yes. Right. Oh, hell yeah. That'd be if awesome. If we go to Tatooine at some point, Watto's got to show up. We That'd need some awesome. closure on that story. I need to know where is Watto? Is he safe? 
He's with Kitster. Oh my god, Adult Kitster. Let's go. Adult Kitster and Kenobi, everything. Let's go. Into the universe we go. Good gravy. We have to stop this podcast. <laughs> we are going to do damage at some point. We have yeah. to stop. We have no to be stopped. Have this much power. Uh, we will be back in September to talk about Star Wars Visions. Until then, uh, we're taking some time off. I might pop in for a couple of episodes of Faster, More Intense between now and then because I got some Star Wars conversations I want to have with some other people. Um, and that's what that podcast is for. So look forward to that. I, I possibly, potentially, I don't know if I get motivated. That means I probably won't do it. Mm-hmm. I, I, <laughs> I'm just being realistic with myself. I'm almost like I'm, I'm nagging myself at the moment to get, to get me to do <laughs> it. But that's it for season one of Star Wars, the Bad Batch. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you, Joe and Kyle for joining me on this ridiculous escapade. Um, uh, oh, and, well, and throwing in thank you for for having us and for having me and uh this yeah. was a blast I, we we talked about it a little bit um a couple times but like it, it really did help the week go by quicker by like we watch the episode on friday and then tuesday rolls around we record and yeah. it's just kind of like we get everything off our chest and then all of a sudden it's like oh we only have to wait like two days for the next one time because i guess yeah. it's 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 wednesday morning by the yeah. time we finish but for me anyway i also and, oh. i also because i know that the 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 content creator game is often like how fast can we get this content yeah. out after the thing and i'm always like that is you are doing yourself and your audience a disservice in my opinion yeah. because you haven't had long enough to think about it like you got the i feel like i need to sit with this stuff before i can talk about it and and yeah it has get, put us in an awesome cadence of like recording on a tuesday night and then it's like yeah it's not that long until a new episode but mm-hmm. now it's a very long time until a new episode uh, but we got what if it's all good there's other stuff yeah. there's so much content but i but man it has been awesome this season just uh to to regularly uh, uh chat with you joe because our our conversations used to be much more rare um, <laughs> yeah that's true and it's been good to make them a little bit more regular so it it has been a delight sir thank you again. Uh, awesome again th- thank you everybody for listening we'll be back in a little while for visions uh until then looks like bad batch is blasting off again Follow Rebel Cells on Twitter and Instagram at Rebel Cells and on Facebook at Rebel Cells Podcast. You can support the podcast in three ways. First, by going to the podcast service of your choice, leaving a rating and review to help others find the show. Second, by heading to store.thunderquack.com to pick up some merch. And last but not least, by heading to patreon.com thunderquack and kicking in with your monthly pledge of support to get cool rewards like exclusive podcasts and more.